Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C Certified Brewhead, and welcome to episode 99, which is pretty lit, of Beer Nutrition Podcast Adjunct Series. Uh, we are back in the building. We have a fantastic one tonight. This is a brewery I discovered, I believe it was probably in 2020, uh, during one of our earlier virtual pods that someone brought one of the beers, because this brewery is one of their faves, which we'll talk about. And uh, I'm stoked to learn a lot more about it. We're going to be drinking a bunch of fantastic beers tonight, guys. So please welcome Nicholas from La Knowlton. Welcome, man. There he is. How you doing, my dude? (laughs) They're all here. Thank you for for having me on the podcast. I'm very excited. Pleasure, my man. Good to talk about the beer and uh, talk yeah. about the brewery a little bit. So, yeah, man, I'm I'm super stoked. The I actually didn't tell you when we were talking offline, but it was uh, Catherine from Cheers Boutique. Yeah, in, yeah. I think it was They're awesome. Yeah, like they, she said you were there. The Cream Ale was one of her favorite beers, like period, and you were her favorite brewery. Um, and she, when we did the pod, I think it was sometime in 2020. There's all, they've always been like crazy supporters of ours. And, uh, and the, and one of our, uh, our previous master brewery, like lived right next to their first location and they built uh, a pretty good rapport. Uh, and they're still one of our best supporters, uh, uh, in terms of like resale and stuff like that. And, and always calling us for, uh, questions and, uh, wanting our new products. So it's really, they're really a cool group of, uh, people that they're starting that so love to hear it man that's awesome um so i'm um, yeah man i'm super stoked to get into the beers and to, to learn a whole lot more yeah so, might as well jump into the first one eh yes sir so tell us this is the uh, english special bitter esb which i'm loving yeah i feel yeah. like these are just everywhere these days in the best possible yeah. way i love it yeah so we uh we we wanted to bring a little like, classic uh classic sl- uh slammable pint uh, English pint over mm-hmm. uh, to the brewery because we we definitely feel like we're we're like we're doing a lot of hoppy stuff at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we came out with our female originally. This is one of our first uh, one of our most like newest products. Um, this is actually the first recipe of one of our new brewers. Um, Perfect. Um, Gael is uh, is one of our basically our only brewer right at the moment. Uh, we have a new guy starting in a few weeks, but Gael Gael. Steinmetz is the guy who designed this recipe for us, and uh, and I'm very happy with it. That's uh, awesome, dude. I, and it was so. This was cheers. Made, yes, first of all, cheers. Yeah, get that in you. Ooh, wicked head, bro. That's crazy. Delicious. What's so, the ABV on this one, bro? Oh, four point four. Nice. Super crushable. Yeah. Yeah. Is that so on, on, on style? On it. Is it uh, typical yeah, well, light? Yeah. Yeah, it depends on what you're looking for. Like ESBs come in a lot of ranges, right? Mm. Um, it's a pretty big, uh, big style. Uh, uh, but we wanted like a low ABV, something that you can sit down at the pub uh, and drink basically as many as you want. Um, you know, it has this, a nice little sweet caramel side to it, a nice little balanced bitter uh, sharpness right off the bat, but not like a big big thick bitter taste a green taste on your on your tongue mm-hmm. um the texture's like a, a little bit creamy just because of that sweetness um and then uh and then a nice carbonation uh and it's like low abv uh, about 25 ibu and it's really a classic uh classic esb for me like i, I 
whenever we do these things, we, we try to find as many, uh, examples of these on the market. Uh, there's not many in Quebec for me, uh, at least, uh, what I was able to see, uh, I didn't find it was like an overdone style, but it's a style that I've drank when I was in, uh, in London quite a bit. Um, and so, uh, it's de- definitely something we want to bring over here. And I challenged the brewer to do this, um, Technically, it wasn't the first one. He uh, first recipe he did. The the first recipe he did for us was still in tanks. It's a Japanese lager, mm-hmm. and that's coming out in a few weeks. But you, we all know lagers just take forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a fun uh, fun little crisp beer. And then the artists uh, we, we do like we work with a bunch of different artists, right? Yeah, which is super cool. And this one, uh, this one, um, this beer got ready uh, a lot faster than we ha- had anticipated. So these. These two artists, they didn't want to put their names on the cans, but they went with their Instagram handles. Um, and they produced this art for us. And with like, uh, I think, 48 hour notice. Uh, and they were like, they were super excited, but kind of uh, really nervous at the same time. And I love the little story. You know, it's us. We have a slogan in our at our brewery called uh, La Vie Rude, La Vie Douce, or Life is Rough, Beer is Smooth. And so we try to do like a little bit of like roughness in our stories, mm. uh, but it always ends up happy at the end. So here you get the English uh, night, uh, <clears throat> guard with an alien, you know, and then the alien, he comes up with an idea and then they're just drinking together. So it's pretty, pretty jokes. That's dope, man. The, yeah, the artwork, I definitely want to get into that tonight as well, because a lot of your art is, is it's a very big recognizable part of your brand. Across, yeah, we'll, across we'll definitely jump cool. into it. Um, but this is great. You described this really, really well. It's like, you're right that they're not, it's definitely like overdone. Absolutely not. As far as a style. Uh, I yeah. have done a few podcasts this in the last few months where breweries have, we've started with an ESB and it kind of oh, really? surprised me. Yeah. Because it was like, that's cool. It's very cool. I love it. So I was really happy. Like normally, like in, I don't know, say you asked me this maybe a year or two ago and I would have been like, oh, boring. But. I personally think we're, we're like, we're going to talk about the industry and what we think about it. But I personally think we're probably going to be heading towards a, like a serious, crisp, easy drinking style industry soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've kind of overdone the IPA uh, and, and we're kind of like in the, even the IPAs and then you get in the fruit products and everything like that. You're kind of losing like what is beer uh, for me. Um, you know, like a true beer for me is like just, just crisp, easy. Uh, but it can, it can be more complicated. Like this ESB, we get to the cream ale. That's a blonde, really lagerized product, super simple to drink, but it's got that classic aspects to those beer Mm. uh, for those styles. Um, and I think we're going to probably return to these like really nice, easy, no off flavor products. I try to just really get back to the simplicities of the product. So. I agree. I mean, we can even touch on it a little bit now. The I was at a brewery in Ontario last week, and they were telling me that one of the hardest things to sell right now is a double IPA. And they think it's a mix of everything in life is kind of uh, more expensive right now. I mean, you know, the obvious gas and, and just food shortages, just things in general are more expensive. And two, everyone's fat yeah. from the pandemic. And obviously, double IPAs are... You know, if you look in New England, what's that like? Five hundred calories or something in a yeah, can. Yeah, I also like. I also think it, there's like, it, it's it, it's it's hard to get a really good one. Um, we we make a. You'll see if you like our DDH oat cream. Yes, I'm uh, looking forward to that. It's a one. double of our. 
a double sorry, of the double version of our session session oat cream. Okay, uh, but I always I always find that they get quite too bitter on a lot of scales, or gets too green, or the alcohol is too present. Uh, and I always find there's just overpowering flavor. Mm. Uh, and one of the things that I've been very adamant with uh, all our brewers and all our recipes is that we try to find balance um, with everything that we put in the beer uh, so that if we have a high alcohol level, we have the sweetness and the, and the, and the um, grain bed and the texture to balance it all out. I never like having like a one off, uh, like one sh- shoot of craziness to a beer. I think everything has to follow. So it's, well balanced together mm. uh, and I find a lot of people just like over dry hopping a, a lot of their product um, and then it's just the balance uh, and hard to sell for us the our double DDHO cream we, we, we released it like two weeks ago and we have almost none in stock so um, it's definitely selling pretty well it's what the people still want I think but I also think it's good that you did what's the ABV on it like I think it was six or seven right from uh, the uh, the double yeah it's 8.5 Oh, it's 8.5. Okay. So, yeah. all right. So that's a good point. So maybe, and also like the person who, who mentioned this um, is in a different province. So, I mean, every every province, every region has their buying habits and such. But I think it was more just an anecdotal noticing that the trend is towards lighter beers, coming back to what you said before, yeah, not taking away from the popularity of double dry hops, you know, big IPAs because they're running the scene no. right now right but i think there's definitely going you know whether it's cost whether it's uh health conscious i think yeah. i think on a creative purpose and a industry favorite uh yeah you still have your space for your ipas and your double ipas uh and they're going to sell well but no matter what your your lighter easy drinker product is approaching yeah. both the beer drinker the micro beer drinker and the person that doesn't usually drink our, our product and so they're ultimately going to be the business drivers uh the other ones are our creative outlets to show what we can do with the more complex grain beds and the hop uh the more complex individual hop uh uh structures and how we how we process the hops in our beer and do all the more creative work with those um and and they're going to make us less money uh right. it's as it's it is what it is uh but it is where we get a creative outlet hmm. um it's too bad I didn't have the one of our versatile versatile IPAs with us because uh, I, I we came up with a I kind of I've seen a lot of breweries do it but basically we have this one grain bed that we're really really happy with and now we're just playing with hops uh, but we're not just playing with like um, the amount or style different styles we're also using different techniques in mm. dry hopping or in the boil or in how we exposing the hops to the beer to see if we can get different extractions mm. and we're just doing different. Uh, variations one after the other so that's cool what was that series called again it's called the versatile ipa versatile okay and there's yeah. like i guess like just each different iteration is whatever different at one time yeah and- so we we've done three so far uh we're already we're brewing our fourth next week and we have a fifth coming uh pretty much right after that so- um we basically have a fermenter just just doing these um, and the first two, we had two different grain beds. Then the third one, we went with the same grain bed as the first. Mm. This is a nice 5.5. 5, uh, and Perfect. it was just super nice grain bed to take on, uh, the right amount of hops and, and, uh, and different procedures in the hops. And, and it had a beautiful texture and color. Uh, so we're just going to repeat that for a while. And we might just change the grain bed once in a while and throw a curveball in there. Just a creative outlet, you know? Um, the brewers kind of get a, a kind of get tired of brewing uh, 
Like they love to have just the same grain bed and just think about these new techniques in the hop extraction and whatever. We're quite, we're pretty big nerds at the, at our brewery. Um, and so me and my brewers might sit down and, and go over to different techniques and try to like create our own thing. Um, to see if we can find a way to extract at a better efficiency for better fl- flavor extraction too. So that's great, man. I love that. Those, those type yeah. of series are fascinating. I think, uh, I, I imagine it's pretty popular as well. I feel like it, and it's part of a series yeah, yeah, that they, people keep coming back and they want to try, Oh, okay. I see what you did with this one. What, you know, what's this like? And they're yeah. learning probably as you're learning, you're teaching the, the consumer about the product. Yeah, about and, hops it's, and, and it's all one-offs, right? So, mm. uh, we make uh, 3,000 cans. Uh, they're not going to st- stay around for very long. Wow. Um, and so people get excited for that. Uh, but also, if like we find a technique in that those processes that we really like, we're going to try to tweak that so that we can use those techniques in our other products for better extraction and efficiencies and stuff like that. So. Oh, yeah, bro. Love it. That's fantastic. So I look forward to that this summer. So let's get into your story, dude. Uh, how did you personally get into beer and then how did that kind of lead into the brewery? Yeah. So I've always just been a beer drinker. Um, like since I can remember, uh, before legal age, I was definitely drinking my fair share of beer. Hey. Um, and, and my dad was not necessarily against it. Uh, we've, we've had a tap in our house, um, uh, since I'm probably 14. Wow. Um, so uh, and now my dad actually has six taps in his house and he has two in Montreal too. So he likes his beer. He, he's a partner in the brewery. Uh, he's one of the dri- driving forces. We started together. That's um, but, you know, beer and, and the micro beer world has always been around us. We, we've traveled quite a bit. Uh, and as kids, we always go to the small microbrewery, whatever, wherever we were, just to have a, a beer. My dad always appreciated the industry. Um, and I love the culture. I love just seeing the creativity in the space. But honestly, I never thought of starting a microbrewery until my uh, third year of university. Going into our fourth year, the, the school I went to, we have to write a thesis and we have to do a big project um, that we want to finish our degree on, a thesis paper or whatever. Uh, I had taken a lot of courses in math, uh, some some business courses, some uh, computer science courses. Um, and that third year I was supposed to drive across Canada with one of my buddies. I drove back and forth from Vancouver to Montreal every year. I lived in Squamish. Um, and so that year my dad said, I'm coming to drive with you. So we decided to drive together. Um, and when we started the trip, uh, we brought, I brought him to my favorite brewery. One of my favorite breweries is backcountry brewing, mm. uh, which is in Squamish. They have this crazy social media and their beer is just rockers. Um, it's just great. Um, the vibe in the place is just amazing. So I brought him there and then on our way, uh, we drove in, I think it was seven days, um, across so fast, but slow cause Canada is so big. Yeah. Um, seven days is still like 10 hours of driving a day, you know, a lot. <laughs> or eight hours a day. Um, and, uh, and we stopped every couple hours to another microbrewery. Um, and we took the longer way. So you went through all small towns. Mm. Um, and we started seeing like this kind of cool thing that these, these little breweries were doing. They're like kind of making, uh, like revi- revitalizing local economies and, uh, giving a central hub for, uh, social, socialism, like social aspects for the towns and giving it a, a product for exportation. Uh, so we, uh, we decided to drive across and when we got back to Quebec, 
we were like, okay, what do we want? What, what, what should I do next? Uh, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. My dad is, has businesses all his life. Um, and my mom's crazy serial entrepreneur and my siblings are all in the game as well. Um, and so when I was that summer, I was like, okay, let's look at things. So we started looking at maybe buying another brewery, a small brewery. Um, and we didn't really find anything interesting. Uh, then I said, okay, well, let's, let's try to, uh, let's, let's, let's get me into a brewery. So I ended up getting a job at Dunham and I was, uh, assisting, uh, Matsur, one of their brewers there for the summer as uh, an assistant brewer and generic, g- generic, uh, are we allowed to swear on this thing? I'm not sure. Fuck yeah. Um, Okay, perfect. Uh, generic bitch on on their team, so I just did whatever the whatever the fuck they wanted me to do, and I was just there to smile and 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 be happy about it. Uh, uh, and I learned a ton from them. And Matt was like super risky, risk taking uh, with me. He was just he got me brewing within like two weeks, and I had never like wow. touched a brew house. Um, and so I started brewing there. I brewed there for uh, three months or four months. Um, then when I went back to university, uh, I. I partaked in a few like small university beer things. Uh, definitely just took into the took in the industry quite a bit. Uh, but while I was at my last university, uh, I built basically my entire business plan, and I was very adamant that if I was going to write a thesis to get my degree, I'm going to do something I can follow follow up with. Um, and then we we decided not buying buying a brewery wasn't going to be passionate enough for us, and it wasn't mm-hmm. going to be uh, meaningful and not in the town that we wanted. Um, and I was very adamant I wanted to live in Knowlton. Uh, I grew up in Montreal, but spent every second I had in Knowlton. Mm. Um, and I've seen Knowlton's economy, you know, up and down like crazy here. Um, right. We've had we've had crazy economic booms in this little town, and then we have had everything's closed. Um, and so I was like, okay, a product that I can make is beer. I can definitely get it out of town to bring people back in town. I can make a really beautiful restaurant, which we do have restaurants, but nothing, nothing uh, that's super attracting for big tourist populations. Um, and and what can I build that will slowly grow and slowly uh, employ a mass amount of people? Um, and so, the brewery was just the natural course, and I love the industry, as I said. Um, so then I said, okay, let's let's build the business plan and let's make it a reality. So while I was at university, we built that I built that thesis plus the full business plan. Uh, and we are fully, uh, I'm fully 100% financed with like uh, with traditional banks. So I'm with uh, Investment Quebec and BDC uh, for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's fully financed. And we did that before university was basically done. Um, and then when I got back, we started construction, um, and our construction was long because uh, we built from scratch. Um, but it's it's going really well. So that's amazing, dude. What was the year that you took that road trip? Would that have been like um, 2000 and we opened 2019, 2018, 2017. I think it was the summer of 2017 uh, that we did the road trip. Okay. I think. And then the following summer you worked for Dunham. No, that, that summer, 2017 the same summer. Uh, yeah. It was the road that trip same right summer I worked okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, there's and no. And then when we got back, when I got back from university, I took like a, a two week vacation just to chill out a bit. And then, um, and then right after that, uh, uh, I went on to hire Toby Bouchard, who was our, our head brewer. Actually, it was 2016. 
It was 2016 in the summer. I graduated okay. in 2017. Sorry, yeah. Uh, because you went dates back. are hard for me. <laughs> so I, I'm like I'm like super dis. I have like uh, really bad dyslexia and uh, and ADHD. Um, and so um, remembering dates, names, and things like that are just like the absolute worst things for me. <laughs> I try um, not to. Uh, anyways, yeah, it was 2016 uh, when I uh, when we. Um, when we uh, drove across Canada, it was 2017 when I graduated. And then the, basically it took a year, it took six months to start doing the plans. Um, Cause we were, we were starting with an existing building. And then we ended up just tearing down the building because there's too many limitations. Right. Um, and then we hired Toby Bouchard as our head brewer and co-founder. Um, and then we hired a chef uh, as we were building this building uh, and we went through these crazy processes of, des- of branding, design, interior finishes and, and just full construction mode. Um, and from, so from 2018, uh, from the end of 2017, where we basically started construction, we actually only opened the door. No, we finalized plans at the end of 2017. We started construction in 2018 and we opened in 2019, okay. November. Uh, so it took a long time to do the the construction. There was a lot of things in the in the in the construction process that definitely created headaches for us. Uh, but we won't get in there. There's no there's no need to slander anyone. So, um, uh, okay. but yeah, it, it was just not, this long process, um, and we built. We really started fine tuning every detail. Um, and then Toby, when he started for us, we I had extra room at my grandparents' uh, horse barn. Uh, they had they had just recently sold all their horses, um, and it's a pretty it's a pretty bougie horse barn. Horse barn, um, and so uh, it was pretty it was pretty clean. So I set up a uh, home brew kit there, uh, and we just we home brewed for about uh, a year, just practicing recipes, having fun, uh, just trying to be creative in this space while building. All the, while constructing the building and just having uh, and dealing with all those little headaches, mm. we're doing all these test batches um, in a pretty like a lot of there's some nano breweries in the states that were that are using smaller kits than I had as a homebrew kit for uh, for testing just because my dad is uh, he likes to throw his parties so uh, <laughs> he can consume consume all the beer as he wants. So. That's awesome, man. That's a really cool yeah. way to, to do it. I love that. So one thing I was thinking earlier, which is kind of you did a perfect segue, was when you were when you and your dad decided to do the brewery, did you have you know like breweries have maybe like a like directions as far as the styles? Like did you want to kind of do a bit of everything? Did you want to specialize in something? Like what was your intention behind the products you guys were planning on making? Um yeah, so I, I I don't know if you're you're liking this beer, but for me it's um, mm. this is exactly the Money. style I want. I love okay. I love English styles. Uh, I've played a lot of rugby mm-hmm. in my in my past, um, and nothing like everything. The second a Guinness touches my mouth, I know it's Guinness, but I get this like nostalgia of playing rugby with all my boys and having like this amazing uh, feeling. So I'm like, how can I go get this nice? easy drinking English vibe that I like with an artisanal side with my creative aspect to it. Um, and that's one of the things that we try to do is like we pick a recipe and we try to really, really make it on style without any, anything going wrong in that beer. So no oxygen pickup, uh, no crazy bitterness. The alcohol level is, is suitable for everything else. So everything's well balanced uh, and be true to the styles. 
Um, and then, you know, the market is asking for us to do fruited, fruited variations and overly hopped stuff, which we're going to do because we have fun doing it and we, we don't dis, dis, dislike it. But our staples are these just spot on, clean, easy drinking, medium, uh, like, five, like five to low percent alcohol, uh, four, yeah, four to 5% alcohol crispiness and that's what we always wanted to do my dad was, my dad's point is he's always wanted a beer that you can drink and slam um it's not it's not um it's not more simple than that he he just wants something easy and 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 everyone's going to want to enjoy it. um and that's what we're basically trying to do um and kind of try to be traditional at the same time Okay, so that's uh, I guess that explains you know, like this special bit. Honestly, like we were saying before, like I, I really, really enjoy this style now. It's something that I traditionally yeah. haven't. Now I do. So this is great. I know we've got like cream ales and stuff coming up. So I mean, it, you saying that, and for the beers that we're going to try tonight, it all kind of that makes complete sense about the approach. Yeah, and, and the other thing is like we're not naming our beers. Like if you want to jump into some of the branding stuff that yeah, we, yeah. we went. To. We went kind of crazy with our brand, and we had designed a whole brand brand uh, with another another crew of people. Uh, and right before we decided that worked for us, we we're like, "No, that doesn't work." There's something that still bothered us, and we threw it all out. And it was a it was a sick brand. We were happy with it; like it was nice. There was this like one point that we w- weren't driving with. It was it was not this three panel style. It was much more single panel. Uh, and it was like old school, but it was just like, it just had this bother, bothersome for me. And it wasn't telling a story. Me, I, I was like, I'm very adamant when I, I started the brewery. I was like, I don't want names on the beer uh, because the first thing we should know about these products is what the hell they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the the digestion of the information for me is, yes, you, you should have something like, our, like, something like this that is eye-catchy. Uh, but the second you get close, you should be able to find the, the style of the beer first. I hate when I'm looking at something and I don't know what the hell it is. Yeah. I'm looking at the small write-up and I, I, I can't figure it out. Um, and so, I me, mean, it's style, the 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 eye catch, uh, and then where it's coming from, and the, some of the brewery de- the beer details. Um, but the uh, basically, we worked with a, a firm. Like, we worked with a really big branding firm. For the original layout, we came in um, with with a lot of information for them, but they didn't expect a lot of information. So they they wanted this huge price for uh, the the design, uh, but then they realized we had all this wrath of information. We had built a blinder of what we wanted, what we were looking for, um, and so they ended up giving us a huge, huge, uh, huge discount. Basically, doing it for free. They changed. They exchanged the value of their design for beer. Um, and we went on to win uh, the gold medal for marketing and packaging in Canada in 2019 um, for cool. for the use of bra- branding and uh, slogan on use this and one. design. Uh, uh, well, yeah, well, so, not this specific so actually, beer, but this this new the, the, the one that made. Yeah, this new layout. Uh, technically, it was the IPA, the cream ale, the wheat ale, and the porter. That one, um, because those are originals. But yeah, it's this three panel story that really goes with the. Um, La Vieux de la Bière d'Os. You see, so this is all the way it goes. Oh, I went the wrong way. Sorry. <laughs> it's hard with the camera. Yeah, camera. I know. But basically, it's this, uh, this lady chopping her, her trees. She doesn't see her neighbor, but it's all good. They're having a beer together. He doesn't have a head anymore, a top of a head anymore. But <laughs> um, 
And then this one is a West Coast IPA, which is a bear. Then you got your West Coast hippie. And then you got your hippie uh, in a little bit of a reverse role with the, with the bear. But he's Very still happy cool. he's having a beer. Of course. Uh, yeah, so it's a, it's a fun thing. But then we've started to do, do things like working with whatever artist we want, like the ESB uh, and the DDHO cream, where it's a super flexible um, structure. But it's a structure that you can see the structure from far, and you don't even need to see our name. Mm. At least it's, I'm hoping it's heading there. And you know it's La Nolten Co. structure, you know? Uh, I like a very strong layout in design. Smart, dude. I love that. I mean, there's nothing more important, I think, these days than a, than a strong brand. I mean, obviously, the product has to be on point. But yeah. the market's too competitive to not be able to. I think back in the day, as you know, if you've been into beer forever, you'll know that you know, at the very least, I can speak to Quebec and Ontario, the, the, the beer designs, uh, label designs were pretty shit. Um, and yeah, yeah. it took a while for the market to kind of catch on. And now it seems like breweries are paying attention to things like branding and social media and the marketing side of it. But it's really important because if this is going to be on a shelf with literally hundreds of other brands, it's, yeah. got, to, you know, it's got to stand out somehow. I, I, and I see my, my – and this is one thing that we're, we're working on, um, me, and my, me and my designer – because I, I have a now full-time designer. No, not full, he's not full-time with me, but he, I have a uh, contract designer that I like to work with um, just to do the fine tweaking. Okay. Um, and we're still we're trying to fine-tweak our brand so that it works well when they're individualized versus okay. as a group. Um, it, it's, it's definitely a question that we're having. As a group, we find it works very well. It stands out if it's brewery by brewery in a group. Um, it stands out really well compared to other things, but when they're individualized and singled out in styles, we also have this question: is not is not standing out enough? You know, I'm mm. not sure. Next to other more complex arts, are they standing out as as an individualized product? Um, one of the West Coast is alone in a West Coast section. Is it is it doing the vibe that we want? Anyways, we're working on a lot of stuff. So I was actually just we won't thinking be that doing too. A, you won't be doing a rebrand or anything? Well, we won't be doing a full rebrand, but, you know, just tweaking, like, slight little elements to to make it pop a little bit more. Um, it can have a lot of effect with the small design elements, you know? Mm, totally. Yeah, I was actually thinking, I noticed that a lot of stores recently tend to separate by style now as opposed to, like, here's yeah. a little each brewery in a line. And, yeah, you are right that it does have to stand out amongst all the, you know, whatever else. In the IPA section, there's, you know, there's going to be pretty busy there. So if it's exactly. not really popping, and sometimes, like I noticed, that, I imagine, and I feel like that too. So, like you just maybe would gravitate towards something that you already know, or if you, yeah, or, yeah, or the question that you mentioned before, which I think was a really good point, where it was like I, I was trying to buy something for a, a friend in Ontario the other day. He asked for certain styles, and I was like looking. And some of them I'm, pick, I'm like I picking up. I'm like, what is this? Is this a lager? Is this a pit? Like, I, I couldn't find what yeah, it was. It drives me insane. That. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. it drives me absolutely insane. Like, I, I will not buy a product if I can't tell what it is from the shelf. Like, like from looking on the shelf, I'm just like not. I'm not going to turn the can around and try to figure it out for you. Um, That's a really good anyways, point. I'm, I'm, go. Uh, I'm just very specific on when it comes to 
usability and easeability for the consumer. Uh, I want it to be very easy to consume the information. Um, and a structured layout like we have is what what I came up with, what we came up with to, to do so. So Yeah, um, I love it. I think it's really cool, man. It's super unique. Um, do you want to uh, – to know we've got like six beers we're going to get through. Do you want to jump on to the next let's one? Let's do it. Which one will we do yeah, again? Do Remind me. I know we just talked about it beforehand. Uh, what are you feeling? You you think we're going to get to the six? We can jump to the IPA. We can go to the Green Mail. You tell me, brother. Maybe we do. Should we do? Let's, let's do, do the, the West Coast. Do the West Coast. The Orange Can. The West Coast. Yes, West Coast. Let's do that one. Beautiful. So West Coast IPAs, I think, are coming back. That's the one. Uh, yeah. So we actually, this was one of our first beers that we uh, that we had, um, and it's one of our staples. It'll, it'll be sticking around. Love it. Yeah. yeah, it's different. So if, if people sort of notice, like I guess you can't really tell here, but the this one here is kind of like that smooth. Like it looks like it's like a flagship, whereas this has that yeah, kind well, of more uh, textured. Uh, yes. So one's a one's a ball can and uh, one's a heart can, heart print. Oh yeah, heart print, sick. Uh, yeah. So one's heart print and these ones are ball ball printed because the volume okay. that we're going through, uh, we can uh, we, we at least. When we bought these, we could we could do the skew, the single skew, okay. um, of them. But now they're at a million cans of skew, so we're Jeez. we're not doing that anymore. No, um, wow, that's insane. Oof, yeah. So great. this one, six percent. Yeah, six percent. Very classic West Coast. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers, brother. Smells great. I think our lighting is quite different. Uh, ours is a. Oh yeah. I really think West Coast are like. Wow. It's such an interesting style right now because they, I think it's like the the pendulum coming back a little bit from the influx of or the the, the overdoneness of haze, and yeah, they're totally. still not where they think they should be as far as volume of different ones available. But I feel like when people get their hands on, it, I'm like, yeah, fucking West Coast, yes, like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, when we when we first opened, everyone's like, when's your New England coming out? And I was like, nah, we're doing a West Coast because that's for me. A yeah. New England is there's things with New England you're going to see even our in our oat cream IPA, which I kind of reference as our potential New England style, but it, we're not. It's not a New England style, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, but it's what we're probably going to get as close as we're allowing ourselves to get to it. Um, uh, because for me, these like are much more classic recipes. It's a much more you know. Clean, crisp grain bed. You can get a little bit of alcohol in it, a little caramelly, but you're trying to go get like a nice, refreshing, uh, hoppy flavor. You can get a little bit of bitterness, get your fruit aspects. So like this is Galaxy. There's Galaxy in here. So it's, you know, it's got that, um, it's got the really classic, it almost has the classic East Coast uh, hops in it, mm -hmm. but with a, uh, a, a use in a West Coast style. Um, and it gives that nice little tropic smell and everything in it, but you're going to get that, that easy, easy drinkability of a West, uh, West coast. So it's got nugget mosaic galaxy and Amarillo, which is a, uh, a great yeah. lineup. Um, so yeah. I imagine the nuggets is probably the, like the bittering hop. Yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 It's, it's in the last, um, it's in the boil. I love it. And then the mosaic is also present in the boil, but after that, it's also dry hopped with mosaic, galaxy, and amarillo, but a fair bit of galaxy. Okay. Um, yeah, man. It's it's not even like um, 
I guess it's a, a I guess I'm saying it was not overly like it's a crazy bitter. You know, sometimes some West Coast are no. like these like tongue stripping like they were back in the day. Not like many are now, but more. Yeah, um, so we actually do an old school. We do an old school IPA as well, uh, and that I would go get that flavor that you get in like 2018, uh, 2008, where yeah, I was definitely not legal of age, but I was close <laughs> enough, um, and. Um, and it was like just this bitter bomb that had a nice fruitiness, but it was much more of a bitter bomb. That, and you, you have your first glass and you're like, oh, then you have your second glass and you're like, oh, now your tongue's getting used to it. Now you're getting everything you want. Mm. Uh, in our old school, we go get that, that base. In our West Coast, we're trying to get that refreshing, like easy drinking style uh, from uh, that, that refreshing fruitiness and the hoppiness that we want, but with a grain bed that is very simple and easy drinking. Um, like hmm. for me, that what it was the West Coast was, at least for me when I when I was on the West Coast, it was always this clean, crisp, um, yes, bitter side, but always a little bit fruity. Yeah, it's definitely like um, I see what you mean as far as the the new world hops, I guess you want to call them, the what it's delivering. So yeah. it's like you've toned down, like the more now I'm sitting with it a bit, I'm getting a little bit of that resiny dankness on there, but it's it's, yeah. it's super mellow. Um, maybe like uh, overall, it's not like too crazy for maybe for people who I still meet people now these days who don't drink IPAs because I think they're too bitter or too hoppy and they don't really know. Yeah, yeah. Well, some people uh, don't and really. That's what, no, and that's what I'm. Uh, uh, as I said, as uh, I'm trying to make products that are 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 going to be very easy to drink multiple times of, uh, and you can sit down and have a lot of these cans easily in a row. Uh, I, I really don't want to ever make a product where you have a single can and you love your experience of that single can, but going to get a second one might be too intense. I'm really trying to find that, uh, mm. make those products that you can just open one after the other and just enjoy yeah. um, because you don't need to be overly powered in every, any of those flavors. If I wanted to go get more bitterness, I'd definitely bring a lot more body to it and, and a lot more, uh, probably a little bit more alcohol and everything. So everything is balanced, but you still get that harsh bit bitterness. You'll see in the DDH, definitely stronger on the bitter side. So, Okay. What style is the uh, the DDH one? Is it more of a West uh, so Coast we, we, or is it kind of uh, We call it a – well, it's, it's in between. Uh, uh, it's – it's an oat cream IPA. So we put a ton of oats in it to give it a little bit more of a body and a little bit more of a haze. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're putting a ton of hops in it. Um, and so it's, um, so it's got a little bit of a greeny side. Uh, and it all depends on how uh, we definitely have a lot of hop uh, residue in it. Uh, so it's all depends on how, um, how you treat it in your fridge and whatnot, that it can be very much on the green side or it's kind of, kind of calm down and become more of a, a clean, easy, uh, less bitter, mm -hmm. less green. Um, but it all depends on what you like. You know, this is what I'm going to get as close to a probably East coast IPA for a long time. Okay. Um, um, because for me, I, it's not, I, it's not a style that I really enjoy. Um, and, and for, for my brewer, my brewing team, we don't ever, we've never enjoyed, uh, them. Yes. Yeah, so there's, there's, uh, we don't enjoy the style. There's individual of them from different microbreweries that we've enjoyed. Uh, but as a whole style, I've not necessarily appreciated. I just find it a waste of hops and you can go get those hop flavors without just tossing a hundred kilos of hops into a beer and saying it's, uh, it's good. Um, so 
That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Yeah, I find so, that. Yeah, so this is. Sorry, go, 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 go. You do you like the East Coast? You or? Oh yeah, it's my it's my jam. It's my thing. Yeah, big time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's like I understand when people don't mess with it. It's um, I was obsessed with it, like like to a ridiculous degree because they didn't have it here. In 2016, I found one we were in Ontario that did it, and that was it. And so the only way to get it was to travel. And I was an immigrant and wasn't actually able to travel at the time, so it was uh, it was difficult to sort of get hold of it and then discover it. So I had to sort of wait until the Canadian breweries kind of caught up. Um, yeah, even to this day, it's probably still my favorite thing. But if I really had these days, though, it's interesting because it's so prevalent and there's so many good ones, but there's equally as many not-so-good ones. Um, the lagers were coming back, and that's something that I've really appreciated, and that comes into like the last beer. We had the ESB, whereas that would be a style typically I wouldn't be interested in. But getting into light, like if I could go, if I, when I get down to Knowlton, the first thing I'm going to look for, give me the crispy. That's what I want first. Like regardless of any brewery I go to, that's the first thing I want now. So it's an interesting, I'm still very interested in the haze, but yeah, the other things are sort of uh, uh, taking over the interest. And I don't know if that's happening for everybody yet. Hence probably maybe some people still have a bit of the, you know, obsession and breweries that, that focus on that are still sort of the ones that we yeah, totally. And it, and, it, and for me, uh, like I said, like our lineup is always going to have involved a ton of easy drinking, crisp product that, that should be on style, that have these accents and very well balanced. But we're going to always have our probably five or six products on the side that we're just boosting up like crazy, either with fruits or different hops or different yeast and just having like total wacky time with it. Um, and it, that leads us into our expansion where we're, we got a crazy plan. Um uh, to get into founders and, and a huge barrel room and do all these wacky, crazy beers, uh, probably underneath a different brand, but underneath the same roof. Um, but go get this crazy, whatever creative side and whatever amount of sour we want to put in a beer. Uh, because I've had the craziest sours from a bunch of places and love them. Uh, but I always had a little bit of an issue because I haven't built my tolerance up yet to those crazy sours. I always found like I started way too powerful and never really started appreciating. Mm. And so what we've started doing is doing these really light kettle sours and our intensities are slowly getting higher and higher in our kettle sours. And now I'm, I'm at like the highest kettle sour, that, the most acidic kettle sour that we've made so far. Uh, I'm loving it. And then I, ha I recently opened um, like a crazy sour from, uh, from Dunham. Uh, that's known to be one of their stronger sours. And I, I drink it. And I'm like, oh, now I get all this. I get the more complexities in this beer and I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Um, but I always find people with like, it's something that's happened with our local population. My cream ale recipe started way more simple than this. I started with a cream ale recipe that was designed for uh, like Coors Light and Bud Light drinkers for Nolton. Okay. Um, because I know my local population are, don't, drink microbrew now this has a lot more a lot more complexity in it than it did beforehand and i slowly built it up and now most of my local population are coming in they're drinking west coast they're drinking my my double uh, my russian double imperial stout um they're drinking a, a lot more complicated beer because i feel like we've moved their palates towards what what they've started to be able to appreciate uh mm. when they first came in if i gave them the west coast they would have just left um <laughs> you know and so it's like for us, we kind of 
kind of slowly and we will slowly build our complexity, uh, but over, over different brands and different elements. So that's sick. There's, I got so many different questions from all these different things you said, I think we'll, we'll take, I definitely want to get into the, uh, the future plans. We'll probably do that maybe towards the end a bit more. Cause that sounds phenomenal. Um, one thing I always notice, and I really find this undervalued in craft beer, is exactly what you're just talking about, that you have created um, really crushable, approachable beers for a population primarily local that um, maybe aren't craft beer drinkers, but now you've been able to move their palates and you've converted them into craft beer drinkers, bringing more people into the industry. And I feel like yeah. the, with the sort of the focus on what's the most hyped and craziest shit, those beers typically... I think New England's are definitely bringing people in, but I think that it's really underrated because people just want to go to a bar like, oh, if they're a local, like, cool, this new brewery, this place looks fun, let's go here. Oh, what have you got that tastes like Coors that I drink? And then you're like, we'll try this cream now. You're like, oh, all right, this is cool. I like the place. I want to like it. And then as they go, they're like, all right, well, I've had three cream ales. What else can I try? And they'll and just their, go. Right? And their three cream ales have slowly, because uh, I knew where I wanted to end my cream ale at. But I knew that my cream ale, it's, it's very easy. For a beer drinker, for a normal person, this is the beer that is the most introductionary. But I knew that my local population was scared of everything. So I started pretty differently and I slowly built it up to what we're very happy with. And I, it didn't take me that long. It only took, I don't know, six months or whatever um, to, get to get to that. But we knew the end product that we were going for. Uh, we just didn't want to scare our local population all, all that much. And it was nice because at the time when we opened, we didn't have enough volume to actually be selling on the road. We only had enough volume for inside consumption. So we like we weren't worried about the market seeing any difference because we knew what we were doing in-house to build our – and now I have locals that come to the brewery and they drink their – their, their they're there for lunch, have a beer, and then they go to their they go to their job, and then they come after after work, and they're there for four or five beers, and they they head home. A bunch of genuine, awesome, classic uh, townies. So that's sick, man. So it's like it's really cool to see to just to hear that from from your perspective firsthand, and then also it's even cooler that it was intentional that you sort of are providing all of this, and and, the, and now that you're able to distribute, it's like it's still, it's continuing that because I, I don't know, I feel like more breweries are yeah. leaning towards the, maybe, maybe that's a bit of a reach. It's either way. I just feel like it's really dope when a brewery is doing that and approaching, you know, making approachable beers, sorry, um, that people can get into. Cause I think at this point, one of the most important things we can do is craft beer. Like, cool. You're going to make some haze for the for people like me or whatever. Like sweet. I'm already in, you don't need to get me in anymore. So yeah, what's yeah. more important than appeasing my taste buds is getting these new people in because we need to grow the industry. Uh, I feel and like, the, and that's the big thing is in Quebec, we, we are so saturated with the amount of microbreweries we have in Quebec. It's a lot. Um, and so, so the problem is now is Molson was all nervous at one point because they're having all this, they're having this growth of microbreweries and we're stealing their industry. We're still in their industry still, but now we've gone to such a massive group that unfortunately what was before, which was not seen as competition on each other. Cause we're looking at the big guys competition. Now we're looking at each other as competition, right? Because Molson is, we're we're growing, and we're in the same market space as everyone else, and we're stuck. Like, okay, there's only a 
a specific amount of actual people in Quebec that drink Michael Brew. There's still a shit ton of people that drink Ultra, uh, Michelob Ultra and Coors Light in Quebec, mm-hmm. uh, and they're not going anywhere. I go to my buddy's house, like some of my best buddies who know that their best friend has a microbrewery. I'll show up with a two four or or six, uh, and everyone's uh, and a lot of my friends are fucking holding around their Michelob Ultra, and it, it's it's still a very like I still have to fight to get my buddies on on board. You know, that's crazy. Um, uh, yeah, and it, it's it is what it is. What do they say? Uh, and, like what are you you're like? Hey man, well, like are they curious or are they just like? No, no, they still drink my beer. Let's 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 not uh, let's not try away here. Okay, they'll okay. still have they'll still have my beer, uh, but they'll have four or five of my product and then go back to the ultra light stuff uh, or whatever. Um, mm. And it's fine. They they do you they they do their thing. Uh, but again, there's this huge market in North, uh, in Quebec that we haven't tapped in is is the beer drinkers that are not drinking micro, and there's tons of them. Yeah. Um, and so, trying to make that product that brings them on board and slowly converts them to to joining our market section will continually hurt Molson and allow us to have a customer base that uh, allow us not to inter compete so much. Mm. Uh, but for a, a microbrewery in Quebec to become um, a larger player. No, it's going to be practically impossible just because of how many people we have um, without uh, – without, uh, because of how many competitors we have in the industry mm. um, and well-established breweries. Right. And that's why we're like we're, – we're looking – yeah, we're pretty happy with the volume we're producing. We're, we're hyper-efficient us. We, we're literally running with one brewer um, and we're doing, we're doing a, a pretty good volume. We have 300 locations. We have – we have um, we're, we're in 300 different distribution points. We have our our, our tap house that's uh, our tap room who's doing uh, almost 260 percent than I than I budgeted for, for consumption this year. We're we're almost 260 percent over that budget. Wow! Uh, either I don't know how to do budgets, or people are just drinking away more. Uh, it might be a little bit of both, uh, <laughs> but I was pretty confident on my budget beforehand. And so we're making a lot of beer, and we're super lean. Um, and uh, and that's where we're like, okay, are we comfortable with this volume? Do we need to keep growing on the brewery side? Or do we stay like this very fun art, uh, this volume that we have, but then get into beverages, like get into water, get into soda, get into juice manufacturing? Because we're agriculturally rich in this area, mm. um, but we have a lot of loss of agriculture uh, turnover product, like when it comes to the growing season, we lose a lot here because it's not a lot of transformation. It's a lot of small players. Uh, so giving them a direct-to-market place to convert their stuff into transformable goods, so purees for other breweries or, or canned juices or whatever, um, is kind of the direction we're thinking of growing the business in. Um, but also huge, huge barrel room, big founder room, uh, and I'm hoping the permits for distilling in Quebec kind of or the regulations around distilling in Quebec change because basically I, I would love to have a distillery too um it just too, it's a little too regulated to actually uh to function in Quebec at the moment uh mm. but it's slowly opening up so okay all right well there's a ton of different things that, that you can do what what do you think the best way is then for for both you but for the the beer industry as a whole whether it's in Quebec or beyond what do you think the best way of bringing these new people into beers or converting like people like your mates who are Michelob drinkers into craft yeah. beer. Well, it's, it's also, it's, it's a lot of things to it. Um, yeah. well in Quebec, 
uh, definitely we need a little bit more of a social media presence in terms of a industry, mm-hmm. not necessarily just as an individual uh, brand. Uh, in terms of an industry, I think the uh, I don't want to shoot f- gun, uh, f- shots at the MBQ, but I think the MBQ can be uh, as a as a as a big partnering group of microbreweries of Quebec. They could be putting way more time in promoting the growth of our market versus uh, supplying us with information uh, and trying to give us programs and whatever they do well and they, they it's good. Uh, but their, their, a lot of their focus should be in uh, really doing market capture for us. Mm. Um, but again, it's a complicated thing for, for them to go do because how do they do, go grab the market capture? It's, it's, the individual microbreweries are still doing that. We're already doing our big social media presence. We're already doing advertisement. But as a collective to convince bigger groups to come join us, I think that the collective, which is the MBQ, could be doing way more for our individual needs in terms of grabbing that market for us. Um, but again, I, I'm not, I love the MBQ and have no problems with them. Uh, but it's just definitely for me, a, a market like as a collective group, we could be going to get more people than just uh, on our own hmm. uh, individually. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a tough one. Yes. I know I didn't mean to put you on the spot with that one. Just it's an interesting sort of question as to how that – because everybody wins if more people are converted. Yeah, so yeah, that's, and that's exactly it. And, and I think also microbreweries have to realize that, uh, yeah, we can do all – we can have people that are doing just the for the craziest uh, micro, micro drinkers. Do your crazy IPAs. Do your crazy whatever you want. Um, but – the the person that's trying to do that that approachable product is very important for us because yeah. the only person that's going to be converted into our industry is on an approachable product that then gets into the more complicated stuff or it's an easier segue at least a less yeah. abrupt segue because uh, if you drank Molson all your life or Michelob Ultra and you get dropped a uh, double IPA in your hands I can understand why you might not want to make that jump. Um, it, it definitely has a lot of stepping stones before getting there to build up your, your tolerance and taste buds. Some people have amazing taste buds and they're able to take on that crazy difference. Uh, mm. But f- definitely for me, I'm one of those guys that loves to build their flavors and, 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 and build their tolerance to food and build their if – I, if I eat something and I hate it, I actually – I'm the type of guy who keeps ordering it. If I go to a menu and I hate it, it's because I probably don't know my my body doesn't understand that I should like it. Like I hated cilantro. Cilantro tasted to me like soap for the longest time of my life. Yeah, I heard that's the thing. And I just kept eating, kept eating it. Now it just tastes like glorious freshness in my mouth. Hmm. It just tastes like fresh. And, and and but for the longest time it was just soap. And I've done that with a lot of things. I used to hate Greek yogurt. Now I love Greek yogurt. You know, it's building those tolerances, reminding yourself that it, it is good. It's going to be good. Your body just got to figure out that flavor and that why is it good. Um, anyways, that's what I try to evolve people throughout our beers. Uh, and that's what, I, yeah. Interesting. That's what it is. Yeah. That's, that's a really great point. I wonder, cause I feel like if you can get someone into a brewery, then you can basically take the experience from there because maybe if you, 
look at like wine, like anyone who's in, been to a winery. Oh, yeah. they, they take you through like, all right, well, this is our Chardonnay and this is our Reed. And they go through all the whites and then into the reds. Anyone who's sort of done that and enjoyed that experience, you can get that in beer. But it's more like I think the challenge is to get them into the the industry, yeah. into it in the first place. And then – So yeah, I've, I've had enough clients – and and I, I let's say if I'm at the brewery because we have a now a secondary office which is just a kilometer away from the brewery. We outgrew our offices at the brewery, and let's say if I'm at the brewery recently and and I hear someone I don't like beer, I don't drink beer, just give me a soda. Um, I usually go there and I'm like, Mrs. I know you don't like Molson X, I know you don't like Coors Light, uh, but let me try to find you something that you'll like, or or sir, um, and they're like. They're always like, no, I just don't like beer. I'm like, okay, I can promise you, I can give you this. Do you like fruits? And they're like, oh, I kind of like seltzers. And I give them a very delicious. And they're like, oh, this is great. It's super, it's super. And then I start them there. And then I slowly go to the grisette, which is spicy. And it's more complex on a grain bed, maybe a little less hoppy. And then they're out there. And then I can easily get them into a wheat ale. If I'm in a wheat ale, then they they can drink anything on on the menu. Right. Um, so it's but if I just, started them on a, if I started them on a cream ale, they'd be like, no, that's that's just a blonde beer. I don't like blonde beer, you know. And right. Like, All right. Well, beer that tastes I? like beer. Yeah, that's the hardest yeah. sell. Doesn't matter how fire the crispy is, the you're never going to yeah. convince any. I really think that's that the least likely style to. We did do that one. Should we cream try the cream ale. Let's do it. Bro. Yeah, might as well. We got three yeah. other ones to go. So yeah, might as well keep it moving. I'm just gonna. Do you want to start talking about it? My girlfriend's just uh, busy, so I'm gonna go yeah, grab it. It'll be two right. seconds. We'll just start talking about it. It'll be two seconds. Yeah. So this is a little cream ale right here. Uh, we actually lagerize it, um, so we uh, we leave it in and we do a clarification in it. Uh, so we leave it in the fermenter for about seven weeks. Um, really simple blonde beer here. Uh, nothing crazy. 100 percent hop from hops uh, from Bus City Hops in, in Quebec. Uh, which is our only 100% hopped pro, uh, beer in Quebec that's on our shelves on a regular basis. Uh, we do have pretty big hop contracts with um, with Hopconnect and a few others. Love it. But we we do have plans in the future to be uh, making our own hops and having a, a big, pretty big hop production. So. That's sick. Um, um, you got so space yeah, this for is that? a cream ale. Yeah. Huh? You got space for the we have space. I'm fortunate to have access to a lot of uh, property um, in terms of uh, in the area. Like I said, the area is a very uh, agriculturally rich area. Um, So it's never – there's a lot of property around here. That's amazing. That's perfect. So, yeah, this cream ale has a a cool little grain bed. It's got some uh, corn in it, which gives it – I guess it gives it the cream name – but it really gives it a nice little corny flavor at the, uh, at, in the beer. Okay. Uh, a little sweetness. Um, I think the reason for adding corn, I, I think people might shoot me for this. Um, yeah. It just you, you get this sweetness in those generic beers because you got that corn starch in those beers that are like definitely sweet, um, and and this kind of gives you that sweetness without necessarily being corn starch. It's pure corn. Uh, crushed corn right uh, and it gives you that r- reminding of like bring that sweetness side of the beer cheers brother cheers yeah solid Sweet. cream ale so cream ale's are, are okay thank you so much 
Um, the so cream ales are a unique style because it isn't. It kind of gets lumped under like what we would call the crispy boy lager pills and that type of thing, and it is obviously it's an ale. It's not a a lager. What is no, like? So- can you define a, a cream ale? Because I, I feel like it's a style I drank a shit ton of like a decade or so ago when I was getting into beer and starting to discover styles. There was a ton of cream ales in 2011, 2012. So but these days, not so much. Yeah, so for me, it's uh, it's a lagerized ale, obviously, that, like what you just said. Um, but it's it's as clean, as crisp, and as, as beery as it can get. Yes. With a little bit of a sweet side. Um, it's really got no complexity to it. You know, it's got to be as simple as it is. Yes. Try not to have any, try not to have any off flavors. It's one of those beers that has a very, it's a, it's, it's actually a very hard beer to really hit on the head because mm. it's, it's got nothing in it. So having, <laughs> having, there's nothing that, well, there's, there's not a lot of hops. There's not a lot of grain. There's not a lot of anything there. Right. So it's yeah. a balanced game. Uh, unlike the hoppy stuff or, or the West Coast where you could have certain grain things that are off um, and, and then they're going to be very, very pre- – they're not going to be as present because you have everything shadowing it. Here, if anything's off, then it's in your face. Totally. Um, that's a really great point. I noticed you got so nugget hops and then crystal from Bastien. Alex is a friend of mine. Yeah. So that's dope. Um, yeah, yeah. So we, th- as I was saying, this is 100% hop Quebec. All Quebec. Beautiful. Yeah. Very, very I'm cool. Hoping, I'm hoping we're going to continue being able to get our nugget from him um, and our crystal for this specific beer. Uh, our nugget for other beers are not necessarily just his. Uh, just because of the volume that we can register with him is not necessarily enough. Um, he does do a lot, but he's got a lot of Quebec breweries that are after him, right? Yeah. Um, and so for us, I don't know. Maybe we'll be able to do it uh, forever. I'm hoping that we're always going to be able to have enough volume for it. Um, but it is what it is. So. Yeah. No, it's dope, man. Um, the what I did want to ask you sort of before was this. Obviously, you know, like the West Coast, like the sort of um, Unicolor, yeah. uh, the shiny, the ball cans that you have. Um, the four flagship beers. So it was the Cream Ale, the West Coast, the there was like a Weed Ale, the American Weed Ale, and the English Porter. A porter. That's what it was. So why did you yeah. choose those four styles to become flagships? Yeah, so you can actually see them behind me. So that's the American Weed Ale, uh, and the Porter is the green one, the rugby player right there. Beautiful. Yeah, um, yeah. And um, and so we wanted to come out with a flagship that is. You know, classic in terms of we need we we know we need an IPA, but we know it's not an East Coast, so it's got to be a West Coast for us. Uh, we want something uh, that well balanced, whatever. Cream ale because we need something approachable for our local population to really buy into, mm-hmm. and also something that's generically slammable that's that's going to be enjoyable on on a grander scale. Um, Why did you choose a cream ale? Say. Instead of a blonde ale, instead of a lager or a pilsner or something. Well, it's a it's a style that's done a little less in Quebec, at least. Yeah. Um, in Ontario, it started it started to be taken off. Um, there's a couple of really good cream ales in Ontario, um, and also like I just I've generically always loved cream ales um, around, um, and blonde beer didn't have a it didn't have a very distinct 
like there's tons of them on the market to be different. I want something a little different um, to be a little bit more unique, uh, having something with corn and having a little bit of a, uh, a different style available. It's also something that was very present, like you said, disappeared and it's going to have a comeback. Uh, and we're trying to be there before that. Um, we also think that it's, it's not a logger. So you get a little bit of certain aspects that are beneficial becoming not a logger. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess speed and being one going, of them. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. You don't get much more speed here. You're still loggerizing this, right? Also, you still, uh, you just, you, how many weeks? Yeah, sure. So, so we're, we're, we're fermenting at, at, at full temp, uh, as a, as a regular ale. Um, and then we're sitting at a, a crash temperature for, uh, five weeks. Oh shit. Hey, Okay. Uh, I didn't to really that. try to clarify it as much as possible. That's huh. what I meant by logarizing. It's a logarized right. ale. It's like a Kolsch, right? A Kolsch is a logarized ale as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're using an ale yeast, but you're really, really standardizing it as a, as a logger. Um, just, it's just for that first three, four days of fermentation. You know, you're, you're going to grab that and then you're going straight to a crash. You're doing your disciple rest. You're doing all this. You're doing this with your beer, um, but but underneath a different yeast condition. Right. Um, okay. So um, so yes, we went with this one just because it's different. Uh, we've always we were always big fans of it. Uh, it almost we almost decided to do a Kentucky Common. Um, I don't know if you ever had a Kentucky Common. I had a California uh, but Common, a, but not a Kentucky one. Yeah. So it's it's a. Uh, um, uh, yeah. Anyways, it's very similar in product. It's all the same. It's basically, you know, California common. I'm sure it's very similar to the uh, Kentucky uh, as the uh, California as the um, what's the other common? They're all very similar beers. Right. Um, we almost did it, but there's there was just something that we didn't necessarily like about it, and and the branding for us was just an off point. Uh, off point. Mm. Um, uh, and so we decided to go with the cream out, which is a very approachable. Um, and then it also makes people think it's going to be creamy, but yes, it's a little creamy, but it's not meant to be creamy necessarily. No. Uh, we, we would love to put this on nitro one day. Um, but it's that definitely, um, it's definitely a little bit more challenging aspect. Then we went with the, the wheat ale. Yes. Uh, our wheat ale is basically our answer to a pale ale. Um, basically we want, it's a hoppy, it's a hoppy wheat ale. It's, it's a, it's it's really interesting because depending on who drinks it, they get a really hardcore side of white beer, and then some people drink it and they like, oh wow, it's bitter and it's and it's uh, very pale ale side and almost IPA, you know. Hmm. Uh, and it's really interesting to see how people's taste buds take it hmm. uh, because we have orange peel in it, we have tons of orange peel in it, we have a nice amount of hops in it, uh, a grain bed that's very classic American wheat ale. Uh, so it's a little bit foggy and everything. Pour it in a glass. It's got a nice little body. You drink it. You smell it. It can be – some people pick it up as a white beer and some people pick it up as a pale ale. So it's a gr- mm. great cross between uh, for a lot of people. And, and for me, it's the best stepping stone to move people from a blonde beer to get them into an IPA mm. eventually. Um, and that's where I'm pushing everyone. I'm pu- I push everyone up the food chain because – for them to come down Cut the food it. chain on beer is not is not is not a big problem, but to get them up there, 
is is more challenging. So if we got them to the IPA, then we've got them locked in and they're going to come back down and drink other things for us. Um, and then for the porter, well, I always think Quebec breweries or the Quebec porter market is kind of screwed up porters. Uh, for me, that's always these American porters are. For me, it's always these thick, syrupy, like super heavy beers. Um, but for me, an English porter is like a after work refreshing beer, like a protein shake that's like light and easy drinking. Right. Um, and that's what our porter is. is it's a four point eight percent beer. It's light in profile. It's a dark beer. Uh, it's but it's not light enough to be a brown ale. Um, and it's got a nice head on it. It's meant to really just be able to be basically a slammable dark beer. Um, and that's what I've always experienced in terms of porters in English in England for me. Um, and that's basically what we did with that one. Kept the tradition. Okay. Have yeah, you, kept that tradition. Was, was, is there a challenge getting – because I've heard this from other breweries. Is it a challenge getting people to try the darker beers because there's an automatic like, like fear of – darker beers from a lot of folks so we don't do so one thing that we're we're very happy about is us we have a pretty well regulated season for our dark beers Mm -hmm. um but um no we our porter is one of our best selling selling beers uh we we we, we've got a good uh pickup of it uh people i think a lot of people are trying to finally figure out that it's actually not like a scary beer this one's a light drinking summer beer almost no it's great in the winter uh but during the summer it's actually not doesn't doesn't it does the same effect that a, a our blonde beers do it's a lighter profile uh but it happens to be dark you know you get a little bit of chocolatey you get a little bit of coffee uh but it's not the it's not the it's not the thick scary beer yeah we have a russian we have a russian imperial stout that uh is like um like nine and a half ten percent uh, uh, yeah, that one is definitely slower to the market, uh, but it's been it was aged on barrels for ten months, and it's got this crazy tannic side to it. Um, and that one's slower to the market, but I'm also selling that product at eight bucks a eight bucks a can, and people are reselling it at eleven bucks a can because it was crazy amount of grain, crazy amount of time, and everything, right? And so, just the price comparison of a more complex, tro- a darker beer. Um, is it's harder for the market to absorb it. Um, and that's why I think a lot of Quebec breweries are doing these more complicated dark beers, thinking that it would attract more people, uh, but they're pricing themselves out. I find these double stouts and everything there. When you're adding a bunch of maple syrup and you're adding all of this stuff to it to get it attractive, well, you're, you're pricing yourself out of a lot of things. Um, so for me, dark beers sell well. Like we've done a, we've done a stout, we've done a black IPA, uh, uh, those are definitely have different markets than this porter. This porter has gone out very well. Um, our red ales sell like crazy, um, which is not a dark beer, but it is darker on, on the track to this. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I've, I've, I haven't seen much. And then we've done variations of this porter. We've done a coffee porter. We've done a coconut porter, uh, and they they seem to sell. Decent. The coffee porter sells sells really well. Cocoa porter, not not the best uh, really? sell in the world. Wow. Yeah, we it, for uh, yeah. I I I, I kind of understand it. I I I I wasn't. We weren't. I wasn't part of that conception. 
Uh, and I definitely think there was something that I don't, I, I feel like we went a little too roastery coffee versus the co- coconut right. uh, side of it. And I don't think the, the, the balance was made there. Um, but it is what it is. I, I know coconut is a bit of a um, polarizing adjunct. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Um, it's kind of like cilantro. Well, it's also, yeah, it's also so fat-based, right? So it kills uh, kills the head. Coconut is – it kills the head completely. Um, and you almost can get a greasy layer on your beer uh, yeah. if you if you have that. So, uh, yeah, it's not the – yeah. I don't know what the most best perfect uh, adjunct. No, you are right. I fucking love coconut porters, though. That's why I'm surprised. Like, it's one of my favorite sort of thing. I feel like porters are insanely underrated uh, as far yeah. as uh, a beer uh, style. I also think it was uh, one of the first first modifying beers that we've done. Um, and that was in 2019. It was like three months in. Uh, it was one of the first things we've done, and I think we definitely screwed up in the process that we the how we process the c- coconut. Okay, uh, but since it? then, huh? Did yeah, to- we toasted you it. it. Okay, you toasted it, but for me, it still wasn't picked up properly in the beer. And I, th- I've had coconut infused beers, water like everything, and I've had like this beautiful coconut flavor. The one we made. I think we uh, we missed something on it, definitely. But I mean, anyways, look, it's, it is I, what I, it is. At the same token, like it's cool that you're even doing variants of, and I think it's more interesting that you're doing variants of like a, a flagship beer that people would, you know, it's that old reliable product that's always around and that, and then like, hey, here's like a slight twist on it, even if that twist is just subtle. Uh, let's do it. Perfect. That'd be perfect segue, segue to the berry. Yeah, the berry. Yes. Segue to the berry. Uh, Ready, I'm telling my girlfriend out. Perfect. Love it. It's the pink one, yeah? Yeah, it's the pink one. Perfect. Very delicious. Okay, now this is a – you're doing great with the uh, segues with all the the beers, bro. I appreciate it. Um, No problem. This is the – it's a berry version of the cream ale. Is that correct? Yeah, so we we do do this weird thing – at the brewery where we do citrus in our wheat ale every year. We do these Rattlers, the fermented Rattlers. Okay. Um, yeah, that's it. That's the back go right here. Look at that. Yeah. So oh, it's we the do same these. Um, okay. We do these fermented Rattlers, basically, uh, where the, we're just dumping a bunch of citrus in our, our in our wheat ale. As I mm-hmm. said, our wheat ale has this beautiful like white side to it. Okay. And then we can ex- we can accentuate that by giving it a bunch of citrus fruits. So we've done lime, lime in the wheat ale. We've done um, we've done cara cara. We've done mixes of blood orange. Nice. And uh, last year, last year we decided to do a five alive version of this. Sick. Um, and yeah, and that, that one cool. went really really well with the cream ales. This is we decided only to do berries in the cream ales. Okay. Um, yeah. Just because we find the sweet side of the of the cream ale that we have gives a nice kind of side works. to the acidity of the berries. It's an interesting concept. I don't think I've ever had a fruited uh, cream ale. Yeah. So this is basically our answer to the seltzer nice. market. Okay. So many people. So many people are saying that 
we should be doing a seltzer. I'm like, just try this cream ale berry. And they're like, oh, wait, this is sick. You know, you got this beautiful, sweet berry side, acidic yeah. side. And then you get a little bit of maltiness, but it's totally enjoyable from from the beer side. Um, and this is basically my our answer to to that seltzer market. It's insane. And these get too. Yeah. Uh, well, that's just the the added um, the added refermentation because we don't do the lagerization with this, right? Um, ah. Because because like if you were to if you were to have this beer without the fruit in it, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be it wouldn't be clear like this. Right. Because of the different fermentation process we go through it, because we can't do a lagerization uh, after four, four days because we have to continue fermenting to a point where we're happy to add the, sh- the, uh, add the fruit and right. have it a, at a place that it's at a, a fermentation level high enough, the yeast count level high enough, so that we can go eat the sugar in the fruit so we're not making bombs. Mm. Um, okay. That makes complete sense. Um, yeah, it's, it's a very different experience to the cream ale. So obviously it's like the cream ale base, um, with the berries in it. So like you said, uh, this serves the same purpose as like a seltzer or or something like that for for people. Yeah. Yeah, It's just our base that we, we, we thought that it would be funner to actually use a beer base. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and for me, it's, it it, it almost makes, for me, it's more enjoyable space because I find that. A lot of seltzers like overly sweet, and the, you taste a lot of sugar. I've had amazing seltzers where they're just dry as hell, beautiful fruit flavor, and just dry. And those are my favorites. Um, but I, I'm not comfortable making a seltzer on my on this particular brand. Land okay. Open Co. brand should be standalone beer brand. Um, eventually, we'll probably get a seltzer. Like there's there's no doubt about it. But it'll be a standalone product, different brand, um, yeah, its own line. Makes um, sense. Because for me, I don't want any, any uh, mistakes being made, you know. Yeah, um, and true. I always think this there'll there'll be a space for Lanolt and Coke cream ale fruited. Uh, the amount that we sell <coughs> when it comes to the fruited product, uh, the cream ale fruited product, is just I can't make enough of it from from May to to mid September. Uh, I, I could I could potentially just make this. Uh, right. and, and I would sell it all, uh, but we we refuse to do it. I'm I'm very adamant that I'm I, we're only allowed to ferment two fruited products at, at a time at the brewery, and we okay. have ten fermenters. Right. Um, I put my foot down um, uh, on that. Like the, at some point, uh, two, like a year ago, um, or a year and a half ago, like when summer was last year or whatever, or two years ago. Um, at some point, I think I had, I had six fermenters at the time, and I think I had four fruited beers in the things. Right, but I wasn't, so. I wasn't, I wasn't maintaining. I was in control of production at the time, uh, and I'm like, this is cool, and I know it's going to sell, but it's really also just not that cool because now we're not, we're just becoming a, a some sweet. sort of fruit beverage producer with alcohol in it. Uh, I'm like, we're losing our like, we're not a, we're not making beer right now. We're making. Fruit, like fruit, little cocktail alcohols things. Yeah, fruit cocktails, and so um, so now this now I have a very strict regulation that it's two products at a time uh, during the summer that uh, only allowed to have fruit in it, and one of those is a sour, 
always having a kettle sour going because our kettle sours sell really well. And so we only have uh, room for either a berry or a wheat ale being fruited. Uh, not much more than that. Uh, right. Minus, I might have broken my rule this next week because uh, I really want to do a cherry gazette. So I might have might have put my foot down on it today. I'm just remembering talking to talking to the guys today. I might have said that add it, add some cherry to the gazette, but we'll see if that if that's happening or not. Uh, so the rules are made to be broken, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Um, okay, so that is the so this is uh, by the way I don't think we mentioned the fruits in it. Uh, it's uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's strawberries, raspberries, blueberries, and blackberries, which is which is great. I feel like I'm really getting like a nice juicy red berry so, um, all across from the nose to the body. Yeah. So this was um, so we had been doing berry beers in our cream house for a while. Um, and last year in February, uh, Toby Bouchard, who was our original, um, original master brewer, uh, left us to go start a, a pizza place in Montreal. Uh, really cool place. He's doing great. Um, and I'm super excited for him. Uh, but fortunately one of our em- current, uh, our employees that were working there, one of them, uh, he stepped up to the plate and started taking over production and everything. And he actually became a partner in the brewery, um, pretty fast his name's Stu Ferlardo he's an amazing dude and he's like my right hand man he does so much for us uh, and for me um, but he he decided like six months ago I want to put these in here he was like super adamant very delicious is mine and he had never he had never put his foot down because he's not a beer mark he's not a beer guy he's not a he doesn't know the market he was just so good at costing and like the business side and running it now he's getting into the market he's loving it uh, but on the on the organization side, managing staff and production schedules, he was just a beast at it. And this is the first time he was like, "No, I want this beer," and he, he like put it in the schedule by himself, and it was pretty funny. Uh, and now he, he came out with a new one uh, that he's getting the brewers to make, which is a um, he's calling it a pal ale, which I'm not sure about the name there, uh, <laughs> but it's just basically a, a it's just like a session Kolsch. Uh, that's going to be uh, basically a light beer, just a really crushable light beer. Might do a little like, uh, like a little hop addition, or do a little like uh, um, lime or something in it. We'll see. Uh, or it might just be a, a session Kolsch that we can just crush out at three point five percent. And so he's all happy about that. But yeah, he's one of his favorite products. So I told him do whatever he wants. He'll have fun with it and. And throwing berries in a cream ale, I find, will never go wrong. So, no, nah, man, it's an interesting base. Like it works well because the cream ale itself is it like you said. Like it's just so it's such a funny thing the way you said it was. It's like there's, there's nothing in this where like obviously there's something in it, but you know it's like it's a very inoffensive beer is probably a way to put it. It's not too yeah, bitter. Yeah. It's not too herbal. You know, like it's the the Michelob Ultra crowd could fuck with the the cream ale. Pudding. Yeah, that's and that's and I'm I'm the first one to admit it that the cream ale is nothing fancy to this thing, man. I'm making it. I'm making a, this beer so that we can drink it and we can introduce anyone to it. Mm. And when you want a refreshing beer and it's fucking sunny out, that's a it's a great option. Yeah. Uh, that for me, at least for my taste buds, when I'm d- sweating and everything. Grabbing a double IPA is definitely not my move. Grabbing an IPA is definitely not my move. Right. Man, I used to I used to grab Molson X's, man. I still love Molson X's when I go to the when I go to the hockey game. And when I'm in the Bell Center, 
I, I, I can't get away from that. I can't get away from that. But when I come here, I want something that I can, I can represent and be happy with and be blonde right. uh, and be really easy drinking. Uh, we started a Mexican lager because uh, my, my brewmaster at the time came to my house and he, and he saw me driving my lawn tractor and I had a 12er of soul on my tractor and I'm just slamming soles on my tractor because it's 35 degrees out. And he's like, okay, I'm just, we're going to work on a Mexican lager. Now our Mexican lager, I just drink it on my tractor because it's super easy drinking. It's got that vibe that I really want um, and everything. It's perfect. I love craft Mexican lagers. I think there's such a fantastic addition to that. But the, the cream ale base for this is so great because of that inoffensiveness. Like you could actually probably do a yeah. sick fruited Mexican lager too. But it's sort of like I'm getting the cereal sort of under it so you can tell it's a beer and it's yeah. not a seltzer or anything. But it's a really nice – it holds the berries really well. Like it's really nice. Yeah, yeah. and, it, and it, it, it slowly shows more and more of the berry side. Um, and it holds it more and it gives you more mouth feel. That if this was a seltzer, you'd the be Bino. drinking almost just carbonated berry water. Yeah, you know? 100%. Um, and – and I, I'm a big mouthfeel guy. For me, when it comes to fermented product and, and carbonated alcohols, I love to have a mouthfeel. Um, and especially when we don't do the lagerization on this, you're getting get that a lot more thickness in the beer. So, Yeah, I'm definitely getting in comparison. There's uh, the cream. It puts the cream in cream out of this beer. It's, um, yeah, yeah. it's definitely a, a different experience, but it's like super fun. And I can see that – see, like – this is another introductory one. One of the most interesting things to me was we're in New York with uh, my girlfriend, one of her friends, who's a wine drinker. She doesn't drink beer. And I was drinking like an other half New England IPA. So I, I, she's like, oh, what's going on here? Can I sip this? And I gave her some of that. She was like, what? This is beer? And I feel like that that flavor profile for someone who's sitting there drinking white wine was really interesting because it's fruity. It's not bitter. It's like, wow, this is beer. And I feel like this is also that. This is something that is super it's not you you've got you've hit all the balance right which sounds like the common theme yeah. and everything for Knowlton is balance 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 I mean, is it's key all here. about balance yeah for me it's it's hardcore key is 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 nothing that is on its own in flavor the one that we're going to go to next when when you're ready is the wddh and that one will have the most debalanced uh flavor profile that i'll allow in 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 our products right, um, right and this has been this has been modified four times um and i'm still not satisfied with it okay um uh, and that's one thing that i we do a lot with our our seasonal products like this um we're we're continuously changing it because we're not necessarily satisfied with it until we hit it and if we hit something that we're satisfied with it it basically joins our lineup um, okay like for me, the ESB is is permanently on our lineup. Uh, that's going to stay on rotation with the Irish Red Ale, the Cream Ale, the West Coast, the Wheat Ale, the Porter, uh, and our Grisette. The Grisette is just permanently on our lineup um, because I find we've hit those perfectly. Right. Uh, after that, I'm not doing this every time. They're, they're very delicious because I don't want to. Not because I don't think it's going to sell in the winter, because I actually think it would sell in the winter. I just don't want to do a berry product as a as a lineup. This we always just change the fruits, have fun, do whatever we want with it. Um, but when we hit something that we actually satisfied with, we're gonna 
we basically add it to the lineup and we just take it out whenever we want. It doesn't necessarily come into a seasonal atmosphere for us. It's just more like when it when it functions because if you've hit them perfectly, they're going to sell you know, if it's summer or winter. Um, right. At least that's for a great us. point. No, that's a great point, man. I love that. And I like the perfectionism yeah. on, on all of that. Do you want to jump? Do you want to go into the... Yeah, well, I know you're keen about it, and um, no, I'm keen, bro. So I look. I want to make I'm sure. gonna finish all these afterwards, anyway. So it's you know, it's all yeah. good. As I was saying to you earlier, like this is this is a little more of an extreme one tonight because we're trying to push through more beers and like you know allow us to talk about them all and show what you guys really do. Um, yeah. So you know, going through six, you know, actually drinking six beers in this whole time, we would be in trouble. Yeah, so. Well. That'd like, be fun, though. When we were in to send, we were in to send you the beers, my guy was just like, "I have to bring him a box, anyways." I said, "Just send him six; it'd be fine." Like, why not? Let's do it. Yeah, when I saw that, I was like, "You know what? Fuck it. Let's let's do them all." Like that's what I said to you today. I was like, <laughs> it's it's all good. Why not? Right? Like, uh, I, I feel like it's super interesting. I, so, go on. Sorry, man. Yeah. So, do you want to jump onto this? One yeah, I just told my it? girlfriend to come and grab it for me if she could. Yeah, talk, talk about it. So show us that one. I love, yeah, love so, you can. So the DDH started um, as the session DDH. Okay. And that's why we have that sort of like little rock star uh, session going on uh, where he explodes his things and he's starving his beer. Um, so it started as the session DDH. And the session DDH was so well received. Um, at the time, Toby was still with us. Um, he hadn't left yet, and I we we talked together, and we was like, we should do something a little bit stronger than this. He goes, let's just do a double version. Let's do double the alcohol, almost double the hops. Let's do it. Um, and then since then, we've done we've done about four different variations of this. Okay. Um, because I found the session really well balanced. It wasn't too bitter. It had a nice tropical side to it. It has a vanilla addition. Um, and everything, but when it comes to the this more complicated um, eight point five version, um, you're probably going to be a huge fan since you love East Coast and everything. Yes, this is my job. Um, I've been looking forward to this one. Yeah, man, this like, see, so looks great. Oh hell yeah, that's hazy as fuck. What are you talking about? I didn't expect this based on what you were saying. No, that's what I was saying. It, it, it's it's hazy. Uh, this but, is like super hazy. You're gonna touch it. Yeah, but you're going to put it in your mouth, and I, I'm hoping that you're going to get the same thing that I've been trying to do is not a thick flavor, not a thick uh, texture. I so still want heavy. a light in profile. Okay. No, not heavy. That, that is definitely one downside of the um, the higher ABV New England IPAs. It's kind of like – I know we were talking about the calories early, but it does really sometimes yeah. feel like a meal in a glass, and it's uh, it can be not the, the thing that you sort of want um, all the time, and in particular no, – during summer i mean it depends you see that that's the haze you know like that's compared to our west coast oh yeah oh it's it's super this is super easy thank you um this is this is look look at that that's murk this is what i would call murky yeah and i'm a i'm a big fan of the um i like if you're going to do haze i just feel like you go balls to the wall and you mentioned unbalanced Fun thing about that, I did a podcast uh, with JP who owns Silo and Bira and he used to be at La Soca Cell. We did an interview at La Soca Cell in 2018 and he made a New England IPA and he said he, similar things. He was like, you know what, I like to make my stuff balanced, um, so I made this balanced version. And 
a couple of years, like I think like last year or the year before, he was like, I remember when I said that to you, he's like, I was wrong. Like these beers are inherently imbalanced. So it was like, yeah, yeah. And I think and that makes it okay. I'm, yeah. That's kind of what you were well, getting yeah. at. I, I felt. I, I, yeah. But I, I'm thinking I'm getting closer. Like now that I'm having it, we canned it two weeks ago. When I had it two weeks ago, I was probably I was two greens green right? side and, yeah. and it was very green. And I was like, Oh, I was like, but usually when it comes right off the canning line, it's my favorite time to drink the beer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet. Fuck. This time I was like, I'm still there, but now I'm drinking it today for the first time in about a week, and I'm really enjoying this. Okay, you know? like the nose is fantastic. Yeah, I love the canned noses. And by the way, the the beers. So this is interesting. Citra Sabro, which is impeccable, and Nugget. So you put the Nugget, and that's what you're talking about. The bitterness here. Yeah, basically, I me it's nugget for bitter on basically everything. For me, it's the best best base hop for for clean bitter flavor. Okay, um, I love oils. it. I got the uh, the sediment came out of the can to the bottom. That's a great sign. I love uh, that. When that happens, that means yeah, I'm yeah. like, all right. If you, yeah, if you like that, yesterday I had a I had a a guy write to us on Facebook. Yeah, I'll let you enjoy that first. That's great. Yeah, yeah, it's nice balance. It's not too hoppy. Texture-wise, it's not thick. No, it's like it's giving you all the things that you want without that intense heaviness. I think it's still it's significantly thicker than anything else we've had. Obviously, it's eight point five. Yeah, um, well, but and it's thicker because I, I I want it to be thicker because we uh, we are going the oat side, right? We want a mouthfeel. Do you put lactose in it? Uh, no, no lactose. No. Okay. No, we are we're going to get that that profile only from our our oat edition. Okay, and you put vanilla. Yeah, it's a vanilla. Oh, we do a uh, we do a, a, a high alcohol extraction vanilla uh, concentrate. So we do we basically get like strong alcohol, like uh, like it's like ever uh, it's like uh, whatever the highest percentage you can buy at SAQ. Okay, and then we extract we extract like a vanilla syrup, and then we pour it into our beer. Because um, it, it gives it the it, it go it, without giving a because we're not putting a mass amount of alcohol here we're talking we're talking like um, talking like uh, five hundred liters in in five thousand liters um, so, so it's not yeah you know, it's like it's tiny little volume in in the big thing but it goes and it tr- extracts the proper amount of vanilla that we like and it really breaks down the vanilla. Uh, vanilla. Um, but yeah, so this is, and you see, it's not too bitter. You know, that's one thing that I really don't necessarily like in, uh, uh, East coast IPAs mm-hmm. is that you get that green side that then it becomes super bitter. And so here it's like, you know, 45%, 40, 45 IBU, maybe a little bit more. Do you know what? I want to say something in, in defense of the greenness, what I think yeah. that does whilst when you drink it off the canning line and then it tastes like you just drank fucking like crushed hops or something not the most pleasant thing in the world but it gives it longevity which i love yeah because, well you know what as people in the beer world you get a bunch of beer and you're like uh oh, sometimes things fall in the back of the fridge or you don't get to it or whatever but the greenness yeah, in the well, ipas make it last significantly longer like to the point of potentially months yeah, I also personally think it's all about how much dissolved oxygen that you're allowing into your can here. That's a I find too. a lot of I I find a lot of people are not as anal 
um, as they should be when it comes to their finishing their finishing standards when it comes to canning in a micro setting. Mm-hmm. Um, we're we're we run a cast canning, uh, but we're running DO numbers that are super super low. Uh, we're super happy about it, uh, but it's because we take our time when it comes to canning and we're and we're we're measuring every little detail. Uh, we're checking seams uh, with re- uh, with whatever technology we can get our hands on. Mm. Uh, we're doing multiple testings. We're we're personally calibrating our machines to make sure that we're doing well on that. Uh, but like with this beer yesterday, I got a, a Facebook text, a Facebook message. And I, you have mold in your beer, and I go, "No, nah, I don't have mold in my beer." First of all, it's impossible when a, a properly sealed can is is done you can't just have mold in your beer it's aerobic so you're not having any oxygen oxygen penetration so that's not possible so i was like send me a photo and i go dude that's hop deposit and he goes no no no, it's not and i was like yes it is and he pours out he sends me a photo of him pouring out then he sees it at the bottom of his his glass he's like ah it was hops and i said do you have another one he goes no and i said all right well just come to the brewery i'll get you another one you can enjoy it because I know it wasn't Hobbs, but the guy wasn't going to take his own risk. Uh, so uh, he was worried. Him. Where did he think the mold was? Was it the it was the shit that comes to the way? It was just the hop. It's the hops that he sat down. He's not a, an experienced uh, uh, like green like a bigger beer drinker, like a hoppy dr- beer drinker. Right. So he didn't know he that. Just that's thought how it, it was. Yeah, he didn't realize that you can get hop deposit in your beer. Yeah, it's just one of those things. I guess comes with experience drinking these ones i didn't never really thought about that that people would think it's something yeah, yeah. <laughs> something so other than think, just shit they're supposed no, to be and then and that's the thing you you get people that if they get hot deposit they're like you made a shit beer you shouldn't have any hot deposit uh, i agree that we might have a little too much in this product for my liking um but some people be happy with it um for me, when I'm drinking something that is double DG, double dry hopped, I'm usually never drinking all the way down to the bottom of the can because I know I don't like what's down there. Right. But you, on the other hand, you love oh, yeah. that greeniness, I guess. And I really go do. For it. I um, find it's like, it's such a like yeah. I'm getting some of it in here still. There's like um, yeah. there's like the mild piney bitterness as well, which um, which is a unique. Fact, uh, like flavor profile in an oat cream kind of IPA because typically they have lactose in them so they're a little sweeter. This isn't overly sweet yeah. but the greenness is like a, I like it but it's got to be in the just the right amount. So I'm, I've had some beers that are so green that I'm like you're making a face when you're drinking. I'm like, oh, this is Yeah, yeah. And that's what right I'm time. saying is again, for me, it's that balance. It's like, you know, when you have that green beer that's super piney, you put it in your mouth and you're at one second you like it and then you hate it for me. It yeah. gets too strong. And so I'm like, what can we bring? What can we go and get that, that aspect that we love without overpowering? Mm-hmm. We're almost at that, that side for me where we're getting it without overpowering. We're a little bit overpowered for me. Still, gotcha. I'm the first one to, I'm, I'm the, the biggest critique of my own beers. Uh, whenever I do interviews, I always ripping in my own beers and people are always like, what the hell? Uh, but I'm, I'm always like, no, we could do better. Uh, and this one's good and I love it and people are enjoying it, but I think it can be better balanced and better, better serve my purpose of 
being drinkable and being introductory to a double and to a double dry hop right, um, right. without scaring people. Mm. Understood. Look, I think this is this is honestly this is impressing me, man. This is really solid shit. Um, I think it's important for people if they if people who are watching who don't know. I think it's great. Sam pouring. I always drink it, obviously a beer in the glass and I drink it out of the, the the can. But with New England IPAs, I like to swirl and make sure I get whatever's at the bottom to pour it in because it very 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 rarely floats around. As you can tell, this beer is I'm about to say like. Is clear. It's the opposite of clear, but there's no shit in it. All the sediments sank right to the bottom, which is completely fine because you don't drink those last four sips, and that's yeah, a part yeah. of the game. And I've noticed that the there's a lot of flavor. It's the actual opposite. And I'm such a haze dude that I fucked up and I was drinking the lambic uh, last year, and I didn't. I totally forgot. I'm getting the sediment. I'm aggressively pouring the sediment in, and someone was like, "Why is that like? Why are you? Why is that lambic uh, like opaque?" I'm like, I don't know, I just poured yeah, everything yeah. in. And I forgot that you weren't supposed to do it because I've been drinking so much haze that that's how you do it. But that's where a lot of the flavor is in, in this type of beer. So there's nothing to be scared of for anyone who might not, you know, know that like the person you're talking <laughs> about. Because it sinks to the bottom, it's not like you're going to get some shit in your teeth. It's just hop residue. It's nothing like crazy, but you won't even yeah, come yeah. in contact with it. It's not even anything to worry about. It's a good sign. If but I, also, I also think it's like all to their own when it comes to like you, what you do at the end, right? For me, I'm, I'm one, no matter whatever the beer is, I don't want the deposit, whatever's floating at the bottom of the, the, the can. You don't want to see it. Whatever the style, I do not, do not, don't put it in my glass. Like okay. For me, I'm just like, it's not that, I know it's in the can. Uh, I know it's in the bottle. Same thing with wine. If I get a glass of wine and I have residue in it, I, 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 for me, it just it's complete. I get turned off. off. Like I just, can't, I just can't do it. Um, and and it, for me, yes, it does change the flavor and understand. I understand completely. But for me, when you drink this the next time, I, I'm going to be pretty adamant that you won't have a green deposit because the flavors are going to be properly supported in the beer. Uh, for me, having a green deposit is is what it is right now, but it's not what I want. Uh, for me, the beer the beer should be thick enough to hold what it should be for what you for what my customer wants. You know. So what? Um, how do you get rid of it? What does that mean? Like getting rid of the green deposit? Then what does that mean? Well, it's just, it's, it's mean? just proper proper resting in the fermenters, uh, okay. doing uh, being patient in the bright tank, uh, making sure that there is um, the right time to compress my 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 hot bed in the fermenter so when we transfer we're not pulling in a bunch of stuff uh making sure that the beer has enough texture and um thickness so to hold the 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 hops in suspension um mm. because if we don't have enough stuff in there to hold it in suspension then we're not gonna we're gonna get that greeniness um and that's one of the things like for us we have such a hard natural spring water at our place um that is definitely difficult to get opaqueness but it ain't impossible you know oh, when you look at yeah. these things yeah they're not impossible um it comes to recipe and it comes to water ma manipulation mm -hmm. okay and i'm lucky that my newest brewer gael is a complete nerd like he's just he's this he 40, 42 year old 42 year old man that just loves to learn every detail when it comes to the product um and so he's learning so much, and he he's he worked at Dunham for a while, 
Um, and then he and then he worked as a truck driver, and he was assistant brewer there. He applied to be a brewer for us, and now he's my main brewer. I couldn't go without him. He his recipes are just locked on, um, and his is it like if I want if if I say no, this beer needs more head. He goes okay, and he finds me ten solutions. We talk about the scientific. Uh, yeah, like evidence to why it would give us more head. He tests on a, like a little hundred, hundred liter Brusilla. And if it does what we want, we try it on the a thousand. And so far, every time he's done it, it's been perfect. Um, great, and so man. we're, we're very vibing with him. And now we have this other guy coming in, in about a week. Uh, we're super excited about him as well. Um, unfortunately, we're stealing from another brewery locally. Uh, and that's the last thing I wanted to do. I, I tried to, I try to find everywhere, but the sh- employment shortage is serious. Um, so uh, it is what it is, but he's I mean, coming from another brewery. Part of the industry, right? Part of any industry, people are going to move move around. It is what it is. It's not like you're yeah, going yeah, totally. out of your way to poach them and, and, and such. So. No, I didn't. They, they, I basically made a video on Instagram just saying, hey, if any brewers see this and they're interested in the work for us, just come and see us. Uh, come and email us or whatever and we, uh, by just making a video on instagram on our reels i got like tons of people that were interested but lots of quebecers who are living in ontario or bc uh that didn't necessarily want to make the move back out here but they're like judging it um so it was just very interesting that's cool man like i feel like that's a great way to 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 bring in new faces and stuff obviously social media is something that uh like we were saying earlier, breweries traditionally haven't really embraced it, but I think in the last, and I think during the the last two years, they had no choice, and I think they realized they had no yeah, choice. Yeah. So I think they've had to step it up, and it's been cool being like I've owned a social media agency for seven, eight years, and I've been working in it since two thousand and seven. Yeah. Um, it's cool to see them finally like embrace it and and use it to that. So that's yeah, beautiful. that's great, man. And like we're 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 embracing on a certain level. Um, we wish I have so many plans to do more. Um, like I want to run my own podcast for both a podcast for like community development for Knowlton, and I also want to do one for the brewery. I, I'm still designing what it is. Uh, I want to do uh, like long docu series, like small docu series five minutes of each step of the brewery process that we do for creating a recipe oh, yeah. um, that then comes into like a half an hour programming. Um, but the thing is, is I'm, we're so lean at the brewery that we don't have the, the time as individuals to like organize and actually create these. And we're happy to subcontract and contract out. Um, and you, this could be a generic invite to someone uh, if they're interested, but to come and help us organize these things. We have all these ideas. We just don't have the time and space to do them. Um, and I, I think that's where we're missing. Like, like I think people would love to see, you know, a um, Instagram TV episode that's four minutes long of how we discuss what's the next beer, how we actually make the recipe, how we test the recipe, you know, small short snippets of like one, one to five minutes uh, and then it comes into a f- nice long docu series of the whole of the whole creation, tail to end. Um, and these are all things that we're, we want to do. We just don't have enough time. 
Fuck, man, I feel that. I feel like there'd be a bunch of, it's going to be videographers, and there's a lot of great creators in the beer world these days, particularly here in Quebec. Yeah, yeah. That are great with film and photography and putting that thing together, so there could be some opportunities. So if anyone is listening and they're watching, like, holla at Nick, man. And, I'm all uh, for it. I think, I think there's actually something that I've noticed a lot lately, that brewery-run podcasts or brewery content is it's becoming a little more common. It's still slower, but it's becoming more common. I think it's great because it's, like you said, it's like it's just like insight into that world of um, of everything that you're doing in in a way that like you know you can be interviewed and we'll ask certain questions, but there'll be just things that you know we wouldn't get into that you could cover on your own uh, on your own type of stuff. That's yeah, and. and- and that's what that's where I want. I'm trying to find the balance of creating a podcast that both promotes the brewery and also assists and helps promote Knowlton, because my my project of calling the brewery Knowlton and setting up in Knowlton is really just meant to bring more people to this area right. and tourism, and we're already doing it uh, and grow employment and and uh, feed the local economic system. Um, so it is. For my like, I'm really interested in it. Interested in it. We went to CBC, like the uh, Brewers Conference, mm-hmm. in um, in M- Minneapolis this year, um, and there was a lot of conversation about microbreweries and social media space and how important podcast is for both their brewery and for their local population. Um, and so it's something that I would really, really want to get into. Again, it's just about timing. About time, bro. Um, yeah. Yeah, I understand. Like we we have an agency. We got five employees right now. We had it just the two of us for most of the time. But in the last two years, it's grown a lot. And there's so many things we're trying to create. Courses. We have a YouTube channel, but we can even barely. You know, we're doing pretty well with that. But we can. We're struggling to keep up because we have clients to do to deal with and and so on and so forth. So you, yeah. it's, it's the same problem, where you just there's so many so many different things that you want to do as a business, but you need to be able to free up the time so that you're. Your, you know, as the founder, your time needs to be allocated in the right places. But if you're a lean team, and we've been a lean team forever, so now we're starting to get the people in place. But then they have to be confident and comfortable before you can. All right, you're good. All right, so I'm going to do this now. Yeah, yeah. totally. So you, you got to make and sure like, shit's been taken and care of. Stu, and like, I have Stu on my on my right hand, and he's like, if he did, if he didn't come into the play, like I'd be completely in a different place. Like he's taking so much of the daily tasks and daily, um, daily headaches and daily ma- um, costing and everything, so that I'm able to go and start pricing out our our growth, our uh, think about opening the whatever location or doing whatever we want. Um, I'm there to start conceptualizing that, and then also argue down the people. I'm the bad guy, you know. If we need to fire someone, I'm the bad guy, and uh, bad company, and argue yeah. down when. When someone calls and they want to give us a too high, high of a quote, well, I'm the guy who has to negotiate the quote down. Um, so I'm the uh, the bad cop and the and the bulldog, <laughs> but he's the guy who does the the, the work that we need that needs to be done. So it's much appreciated. It's so a beautiful I, thing. Do I have yes. Time for the, do I have time? time? For the last one. I couldn't possibly have enough. Of course I do. Absolutely. Perfect. It's ready. So oh. this is. You want to talk about is, that? Uh, I'm going to grab it. Just talk about that. I'll be back Perfect. in two seconds. Keep I'm going. Finish my glass here. 
So yeah, so this is the Irish red ale, guys. Um, we made this uh, specifically because I wanted to find an in-between between our cream ale and our porter. Um, and we did it originally before introducing the ESB. This one is um, is really a classic. I just love a red beer. Um, I love something amber. I want something a little caramel, a little sweet, but really easy drinking, very light in texture, nothing hoppy. Um, and here's a little red ale here. Uh, let me try to get in the camera here. And yeah, so it's a, it's a fun beer. Um, this was uh, has been redesigned, I think about four times uh, until we find found the recipe that we really really want to go with. And now this is about the fifth generation of that new recipe. And I think we've locked it in. Um, we added a, a, a base. We added a grain that is a little bit more red in, in style. It's actually called Red X. Uh, so it just brings that red level way up um, before it was falling into that brown, brown, brown ale uh, side. Um, so, yeah, this is uh, what we call our Irish red. Again, it's a little bit of inspiration from a golf trip that we had in um, in Ireland. Um, it's very tor uh, a little like roasted. We want a nice roasted side. Yeah, and he's showing the story right now. The story is pretty funny. Yes, uh, we wanted to go a little like pub classic scene um, with the dots. And definitely have like a little maybe vibe of an Englishman. You know, like an Englishman from the seventies, maybe. Um, playing darts and then finds that big playing darts with, you know? Um, uh, and it, it, most of our stories has a little bit of like rudeness that happens, but most of the characters are finishing with a beer in their hands at the end. Uh, it's very important that like me and my dad always saw uh, a beer as like at the end of day outlet, like a nice after day work. Um, yeah. Yeah, so this is you're gonna see it's got a nice little like nice little like uh, torrified like roasted side at the in the flavor. Yeah, but it's like got that nice ruby red into it. So an Irish um, red ale is that a specific like what's the difference between like an Irish red ale than say like a amber ale or or a roost that we would find here in Quebec? Yeah, so it, it's very hard to um, so for me. When we pick a recipe we, or we pick a beer design, mm -hmm. I always pick regional or I pick something I've really liked in the past or as a group that we've liked. Um, when it comes to Irish red ales, I've always loved um, certain styles that have come out of Ireland. And I just love the, uh, the conception of Irish beers. So what we did, right. we started looking at the recipes um, and we realized that it's got a uh, very clear. It's got to be crisp. You got to be able to see right through it. If mm -hmm. um, if it was a little bit lighter, but you can yeah, see right through that. Way. It's got to be red, but but it's got to be really easy drinking. But it's got to be strong in roast flavors and in caramel. Right. Um, and that's basically what we went with. Um, when it comes to when it comes to the differences in Quebec, I find Quebec red ales are much more. Um, Less caramelly, more more like just beery, more grainy. I, I mm -hmm. it's hard to say. 
Um, and for me, it's much more on the on the you nose. You get this nice toffee, little sweet, yeah, toffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my understanding is a ruse is a mix of an is it an Irish red and a cream ale? Is that what it is? It's possible, but I think I've heard that before. Mm. But this is the straight Irish red, a bit more like you said, traditional, based on yeah. your travels and and, and everything else. That you guys have done. It, and everything that we've been doing recently is very traditional in style. We really like locking on. And right. and I was saying to the camera when you were away that um, this is probably the fourth variation that we've done, but it's mm-hmm. the fifth brew of the fourth variation. This is now the most. This is what we're staying with. This is where this we're is happy with this one. Okay. Uh, yeah. And why, why did you maybe choose this we'll, style? Oh, go on. Why did, maybe one day? Uh, so maybe one day, like the, like the cream ale, we'll put this on nitrogen oh, uh, just cool. because I think it would bring, it, it bring a nice side to it. Yeah. Um, it just the, the whole nitrogen system, it's very complicated for um, microbreweries to do. Um, yeah, it's pretty intense. The lids and stuff don't work. Yeah. Yeah, particularly for canning. Uh, why do we choose to do this? Yeah, what's this uh, particular style? Like, what was the inspiration for this one? Was it just more playing alongside the the cream ale and, and all that type of stuff? Yeah, so I was saying I was saying to the camera that we wanted a space between the cream ale and the porter. Mm-hmm. So then we came out with this. Um, we I said, what is a good space between there? And we knew that Irish red would be a pretty good middle ground so we came out with this to realize that we were still missing a middle ground that's why we went with the esb so it basically goes like the it would be these two then this and the porter would be right here you know our porter is the darkest and we want a nice little stepping stone um and for me it's like stepping stone in flavors and styles so if you want, if you have that idea that you want to get into a dark beer that you don't, but you're not necessarily there, there, then we can get you moving down the line. And these are all pintable pub style beers still mm. in their, in their generic style. That's true. Um, like this, you can drink a lot of them if you want, uh, mm. if you like. It's an interesting, I haven't had a Irish red for a little bit. There's such an interesting, this was my very first, um, favorite beer style after I moved on when I first like yeah like in 2011 when I really really got into it um and it was moving on from all the lagers and red ales and I'm getting the whatever that is I I imagine it's that toffee caramel that was like the next level up from lagers it it was interesting and something different but not too intense that it would scare someone off I just feel like if you really going up that color wheel stepping stones type of yeah. thing. This is the perfect next level from the blonde beer. Uh, so which yeah, is yeah. exactly what and you so, were just saying. So for me, I have like the direction of moving you up into like new beer styles, which uh, goes in their darker beer styles, or I can move you from the cream ale to the more hoppy styles. And that's what I've done with a lot of the people that come by the brewery. If someone's interested in more darker beers, I move them down the line. ESB, Red Ale, then to the Porter, and then to our more complex uh, stouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they're interested on the blonde side, well, we move them up on from the cream ale to a, a lager, a, a more complicated lager, then to the wheat ale, and then on to the IPAs. Mm. Um, and we always have we always have two st- one stepping stone on uh, one for each direction stepping stone on tap. Um, 
cream ale is my baseline. Uh, and so I have one stepping stone from the hoppy side on tap. I have one stepping stone of the darker side on tap. And then, and then it just goes wherever we want after that. Um, hmm. And for me, anyways, I can, I can try to convince people to move from the cream ale, but this is by far the best seller in both. Um, and I love people that tell me uh, that microbrew stores don't sell uh, light beer, like easy drinking beers. This is by far uh, the most selling beer that we have, the cream ale, um, in all stores. IGAs, specialty stores, it just sells. Mm. Um, and that it, it is what it is. Uh, but the Irish Red is pretty close. During the right season, this beer sells pretty, pretty hot. Crushes it. So th- um, this is the seasonal yeah. then? This is not like mm. uh, year round? No, it's it's pretty it's pretty uh, it's pretty much a staple. We have to say, okay, um, it's pretty much a staple. Uh, we, we couldn't every time we brew it, we're like, okay, we brew it like in we brewed it like uh, a month ago, and we're like, okay, we're not going to need to brew it for a while. We're start we're going to do a brew in two weeks of it because we have no more. Um, right, it's, it's just a out. style that keeps going. It, it keeps going. I want to do an Earl Grey. I want to do an Earl Grey version of this with Earl Grey tea. I think it could be really, really fun. Nice little sweet Earl Grey vibe to it. Could be really fun. Um, that's and that's twist. where we like starting to. We're trying to decide. The cream ale we did berries. We do berries with it. The wheat ale we do citrus. The IPAs we're doing hops. This what is our like additive? Is it the coffee? The porter we're doing coffee now. Before it was cocoa, whatever we wanted. Now the porter is our coffee beer we're going to be rotation rotating coffee styles in it whenever we want and so like the irish red i've been like trying to debate what is our additive for the variants of our standard staple um the one-offs that we do and i think tea would be kind of fun with it um you can see that you know on brand for the english styles and that sort yeah. of astringent, uh, like you said, you, you mentioned fruity. I guess you could consider Earl Grey's got a little bit of fruity notes. I'm not sure what those fruits would be off the top of my head, but well, it's like vanilla. It's vanilla. It's That's nice what little. it is. It's vanilla. Yeah, hundred percent. And I feel like you could even like you know, a little touch of vanilla almost in there to amplify it a little bit. And I think it would be great because this is a fantastic base for a, uh, a tea. Yeah. This is great, man. Like, like I said, I haven't, this has been like a really cool eclectic range of beers that we've had tonight, actually. Like just looking at the cans and the, mo- like the, I feel like this is a, a great picture of what you do. And like, uh, yeah. And it's, we have it's, a it's lot been interesting to, to drink. Uh, yeah, I guess so you do, we right? We didn't touch, and you know, we didn't touch any of our saison line. Like we have a six saison line that we really, really yeah. have fun with. We didn't touch our, 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 we have uh, like five or six different saisons that we ro- rotate. We didn't see our, our kettle sours. Um, we have a, a, a nice little spread. Uh, we're, we're like, what is it, uh, two years and a half open. I think we're on our 45th recipe or 45th uh, um, styles. Um, so we're, we're really experimental, but we also do a lot of variations of the, the – the, if we lock in a product that we're really happy with – we just we start doing a variant with it, and then we start working on our next recipe. Uh, like our next two big recipes that are going to be working on are our kolsches. We're, we're coming out with a kolsch, and we've been working on it. It's just it's much more difficult style than I uh, than we anticipated, and a and a buck. 
uh, buck, oh, buck beer. nice. For, for yeah, we want fall? for Oktoberfest. Nice. We want a, a true Oktoberfest beer, so um, so that we're working on it. Um, so those, those are two, three styles that should be coming out. And a uh, Biala Tab. Nice. I've always enjoyed a good Biala Tab. So we yeah, have a good set that really works. But I'm trying to do like a classic Biala Tab. 2.5%, 3%, nothing higher. Super low alcohol. Everyone can enjoy um, and everything. So That's great, man. I mean, look, we're going to obviously have to do this again. And maybe next time uh, we'll, we'll get bring, into some of this. You come to the location, man. Oh yeah, you I'm, I'm keen the, as yeah, man. It sounds yeah. beautiful. Um, do we talk about maybe just let's wrap up? Let's talk about the location itself and then some of the future stuff. So the location yes. in Knowlton. So the which, location is in. Tell yeah, us about it's it. Knowlton. It's an hour and a half from Montreal, uh, southeast. Uh, we're about 15 minutes from the Vermont border, about half an hour from Jay Peak. Um, we're uh, we're a small town outside of Bromont. Uh, we're about 5,000 people around here. Uh, we built a re- relatively industry-looking building, uh, but we built a um, uh, like a nice wood in- in- interior with like a wood wood roof interior. We're slowly growing our vines over. It, nice. it overviews a protected natural forest in the back, um, and so and we have a huge glass. We have about um, it's forty-three by twenty-five feet of glass wall looking Damn. into the, the forest. Um, and, uh, and we have a beautiful terrace for 85 people. Um, I'm about to ask and, about uh, the, uh, and, terrace. Yeah. Sick. That's perfect. Right. For yeah, the, yeah. the season that's coming up. Yeah, big terrace. And we're, we're about to put a, a stage perfectly placed to the, like the corner of the terrace for live music <sighs> and open mic nights. Yeah. There we go. That's it. Hey, let me tap. There you go. Jesus. That is beautiful, yeah, dude. Yeah. And then you can see from the terrace, you can see right into the brewery. That's uh, you're looking that's into looking the brewery there. Into the brewery, okay. Yeah, and the then, other direction would be looking into yo, uh, the, the forest. And that is kind of looking that's at the, the brewery terrace. from the the terrace there. Yeah, that's the terrace. Uh, so what you mean industrial, but like that's perfect when you got right out, so it looks modern. Yeah. Then you're sitting outside and you just yeah. got nature. Fuck, man, that's yeah, sick. Yeah, so it's. It's it's just a good vibe out there. Uh, during COVID, we put the tables on the grass. Now the tables are back just on the cement on the uh, the uh, I see. papers. I yeah. uh, but board ga- but uh, field games and everything will be available in um, in uh, on the grass and everything, uh, lawn games and everything. So, dude, that's crazy. That's a good vibe. We try to have a good time and um, and again, we're trying to base all our beers on stuff that you can have multiple of. Um, and so it is just a place that you can come and there's beautiful hotels in the area. Um, there's a beautiful region. If you ever want to, and if you ever want to come up here, like we can show you the region and we're saturated with microbreweries, man. We got Abaldage, uh, we got Dunham, we got, um, um, we got, uh, West, West Shefford. We got so many within 25 minutes of here. It's, it's. It's crazy. So it's a great place for people, you know, coming up to the summer. We're in mid-May now. This is yeah. coming out next week, so people will hear this uh, nice and fresh. So coming into the summer, like it's a perfect spot to kind of, uh, yeah, it's the- you know, book a weekend away, and you can just hit breweries all weekend. It's also like the best biking location. You could go to a sudden, hit two breweries, come to us, 
And then you can hit uh, Rabain, which Rabain is a, oh, yeah, Rabin, an yeah. amazing brewery. Yeah. Rabain is about uh, 30 minutes from here. So we do a trip in La Ferme. La Ferme is another uh, 30 oh, minutes from that. here. So we, okay. do a, we do a bike trip, uh, me and my family. We, we go to Sutton. We start in Sutton. We bike to Knowlton. We from, from Knowlton, we go to Rabain. From Rabain, we go to La Ferme. And it's a big trip. It's a, an exhausting trip, but it's a beautiful cycle. Um, right, and if you're really if you're really into it, you can easily add uh, um, a Dunham to it, and uh, and there's a new one in uh, there's a new one in Waterloo. Oh, I'm trying to f- remember. Uh, anyways, that sounds so It's a brand new. Yeah. Uh, no, in Cowansville, there's a new one in Cowansville. Um, I, I, I know. Forget it. it, but. Yeah. Okay, Cowansville. I've. It's I've, got I'm, it's got an owl on their can. Some of their cans have like an owl sketch on it. Okay, Cowan's View. Anyways, that, it's a beautiful. Yeah. Okay, yeah. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful uh, region, region for. Right and then and sage the vineyards. The sage. Yeah, sage. That I, the sage. Yeah. Okay, I haven't heard of them. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's a small, small little nano. But it's a beautiful region for uh, wineries and beer. Um, but our place is uh, it's definitely booming. Um, and we can't, we can't, we we couldn't, we couldn't be any busier. We couldn't handle it. So uh, awesome, it's man. it's definitely a blessing in um, in disguise. So that's so cool. It's uh, like I've been wanting to get out that way a little bit more. And uh, now that I feel like I feel like it, a lot of the vibe here that I noticed in Montreal, like people are ready to fucking just hit up brewery and just like go now. It's been the last couple of years, you know people feeling comfortable, not so comfortable, whatever it might be. Um, but now I just see people are just out. I think it's, it's about to be a really good summer, I think, for um, – Yeah, and since, Janu- since, since February where we're allowed to be back open, it's just been Killing crazy me. for us. We, Love we, it. we couldn't be – like I couldn't, have budge- I couldn't have thought that we would be this busy. Comparative to other years and everything, we, I would have never thought. Um, and we're only going into the busy season, so we're like super excited. Um, and I think it should work out. So, oh hell yeah, man! Like it's beautiful. I love it. Um, this is great. So then, what can people look forward to from uh, Lenalton coming up? Say, let's talk about the summer specifically. Like, what what can they look forward to that you got coming out? Whether it's events, beer releases. Yeah, so we're we're. Um we're about um, this summer from next weekend to the end of summer. We're about every other weekend. We're at a beer festival. Um, So we'll be present on the market for you guys to test this out. When it comes to beer releases, we make decisions pretty fast. And so I could tell you we're making, we're working on a Kolsch. We're working on a Biadatab. We're working on a light beer and we're working on a, um, a few different variants of these products. Um, but then today, like we we're, we we're wanting to try to put the culture in the schedule for production. We decided it's not ready. We tried a variation. We're not, we're not happy with it or, or we're not just ready for it. Uh, so me and my partner, Stu decided let's do a variation of the Gazette. So we have a Gazette uh, cherry coming out that I think should be a bomb. Our Gazette is already a beer that's super accepted and the cherry yeah. should just make nice little acidic side. Perfect. Um, 
And after that, we're just going to be keeping a lookout on our social media page for any events because we have an event planner that's working for us now that's taking care of festivals and events. And we should be doing live music and uh, tons tons of fun little activities at the brewery. So. That's dope, man. And even just looking at those pictures, like, Jesus, that is very attractive. And that's kind of what you want to see. You're going to go to a bunch of breweries this summer and you want to just like, that sounds like a place you just park for the uh, the whole afternoon or yeah, evening. I've- yeah, exactly. I've had a lot of people come by saying they're going to bike to somewhere else, and then they just stay, <laughs> and then and then I and then I end up driving them home because they haven't had too many beers and there's no taxi service. But don't worry, Nick is a taxi service if Uncle it's Nick will take enough beers. So. <laughs> yeah, Uncle yeah. Nick will take care of you. <laughs> exactly. I love that, bro. No, dude, this has been awesome. I really feel like I've got uh, a really great understanding of, of you personally and what you're doing and the beers. For real, I'm impressed, dude. Like, this is the hardest one. Thanks, man. And, and, and the most uh, left field, obviously, compared to this, was the, the oat cream, but that shit was fire. And I'm a yeah, yeah. I'm an experienced haze boy, and, and that shit is uh, very much up my alley. So whatever else you do to it, I'm sure you'll continue to make it better. But uh, I think this is, like, a really fantastic um, range of beers. And like you said, we barely scratched the surface. And... I love that you're doing things that satisfy the more experienced palates, but also are welcoming to newer palates and to sort of guide them through that journey of welcoming people into craft beer because at the end of the day, that's really what this is all about. So, uh, man, congrats on the success. I love the entrepreneurial spirit. It's a beautiful thing, man. I'm uh, definitely going to come see you this summer, brother. Appreciate you. Thanks. Thank you very much. Where can it's been every a lot of fun, so. Yeah man, this has been great. Um oh you know what? Let's do the thumbnail. I'm gonna take a screenshot. Do you wanna hold up some of the cans? And we'll uh, and then we'll do the wrap up. What do I get here? Yeah, we'll get the berry, let's get the fuck in. Let's get the West Coast. Yeah, alright. Oh, I, I, I got three in You got three? Perfect. Love oh shit, what did I do? Okay, all right. So hang on, let me just do. That's what I was trying to do. There we go. All right, let me get mine right here. Ready? Yeah. Gorgeous. Let me see if I got that. Perfect. Boom. Got it. Did it work? Uh, it did. It worked perfect. Um, where can everybody find La Knowlton online, bro? Um. So online, uh, the best place would be definitely Cheers. Uh, they have the most presence for uh, for Montreal distribution for us, at least. Okay. Um, unless you want to, um, are you talking about like social media or yeah, social media it? website too, but also oh, where can people find media, it? It's all it's all at La Nolten Co. Uh, you search La Nolten Co. If you search restaurant in Nolten, we'll probably be the first one who shows up. Search pizzeria in Bromont, we might be one of the first ones who shows up because that's what we do at the brewery. Oh yeah. Um, so really search just Nolten and we'll probably be one of the first things. But at La Nolten Co. is everything. TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, um, Instagram, you. Facebook. Um, we're, we're all on there. We might not be active in all of them, uh, but Instagram and Facebook, we're very active. TikTok, we're getting into it. Um, Likewise. Good. So uh, just, just follow us, like us, uh, and everything like that. So. 
Perfect. I love it. And obviously, like you said, uh, you're available at Cheers Boutique and a bunch of, uh, basically you said 300 sales points across Quebec, whether it's IGAs. Yeah, we have, t- we have, tons, of, we have tons, tons of places because we, we, we love to sell small volume uh, to, uh, to more locations. Gotcha. Um, so you're, I see you everywhere. That's what we do. Everywhere yeah. I go, I always see Nolton. So it should be hard to, to find. But um, Beauty, I'm going to wrap this up. Stick around and we'll, we'll finish up off the uh, at the end of the call but brother thank you so much for yeah. taking the time and for, for hanging out tonight this has been uh, a really fun time i really appreciate you um guys make sure you go check out lenolton everywhere and if you enjoyed the episode smash the thumbs up hit subscribe below hit the notification bell so you know when the new drops follow us on social media everywhere at bos podcast including tiktok now as well we are on there we are uh, posting regularly um make sure you follow on spotify apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast every wednesday at 8 p.m eastern we drop a new one um yeah man we're gonna keep uh busting out we have our link up series starting soon but we're going to probably drop them concurrently with the regular podcast because we have a bunch of content it's summer it's about to be a good time i can't wait guys appreciate y'all see you in the next episode cheers